sequence another one <laughs> initiate recording sequence initiate episode sequence. that's good because it's a sci-fi book today yeah i'm using sci-fi ways of saying things <laughs> dude we Just love to mention the matrix during this podcast maybe well maybe it kind of, it's, it's not totally inappropriate for the book baudrillard liked it was in <laughs> reference in the matrix and he i think he said something about liking <laughs> philip k dick <laughs> Uh, Listen, it's Bogerard. a little sleepy right We're getting now. there. We're vibing. We're vibing. Three biological entities <laughs> broadcasting on the fucking on, on, uh, on the the ether. In the ether. Net. And welcome to Spinecrackers podcast. Welcome to Spinecrackers podcast. Uh, welcome to Spinecrackers podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Gabe. 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 I'm Paul. I'm Paul. And to, today. We are discussing renowned science fiction success smash summer hit <laughs> the Bubik. By uh, you say Philip Philip K. Dick. I did not. Is this book? I thought you is, said is this, is this book the equivalent of like a Demi Lovato like summer hit? Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Smash hit of the summer on the ears of everyone. This book, uh, the summer of uh, oh, holy shit, that's a real song. The summer, summer of sixty nine, dude. Which yeah, is when this summer book of sixty nine. Right. How does that go? Although, Sing it. it was the summer of sixty nine. Sixty nine. That's all I know. That was pretty good. There you go, bitch. I spray a bit of ube on me. Bit of ube on me. <laughs> you know I'm never gonna die. <laughs> Chilling in a suspended state. <laughs> oh, it's gonna last forever. <laughs> this is the best time of my death. <laughs> oh shit! Wow, Weird Al needs to. You know what, Weird Al? Hey, I know you listen. I know, motherfucker. Yeah. Weird Al, friend of the pod. You can buy that off us if you want. Are you suggesting that Weird Al make just another mediocre, not funny song? Oh, that he's done? Dude, shut your fucking mouth, bro. <laughs> you don't want to do this right now, Paul. You are outnumbered instantly. Also, Bill Murray is not funny. It never well, has been. That's a you different... want to that? No. No. I, also, it's wrong. that's false, but it's not quite as false. I would agree that Bill Murray is overrated, but it, mm-hmm. get the fuck away Thank from you. Weird Al. Yeah, I've never laughed once at anything he's done. You're just... get your get your grubby mouth off of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to Hardware Store, that that song, which is an original, is mine mm. is a mind blowing work of 
lexical complexity <laughs> where he rhymes a like 200 word list of different things you can buy at the hardware store. What do you got to say about that, Paul? Yeah, Paul. Um, just keep explaining why humor is funny to me. Yeah. Wow. Wow, dude. Someone's oh. someone's salty. So is someone I think okay, dear listener, someone's a little salty tonight and it's Paul. <laughs> I'm not salty. I'm in pain and it's affecting my mood. Do you want to talk about, do you want to give some details about your pain to the listeners, Paul? Not particularly, <laughs> but I do have irritable bowel syndrome type stuff and it's hitting me hard all day. And I yeah. don't want to do much, but here we are talking about book. I'm talking about Hey, talk well, about book. Talk about <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to be fair, Paul, this was, if you didn't like the book or you don't want to talk about it, you have no one to blame but yourself because this was your pick. You That's pick. not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't, you guys didn't hate laugh. this book. So this Philip K. Dick, what's his, what is his deal? Died very young because he's a psycho drug head. Was he, here's the question I was going to ask earlier. I know Philip K. Dick was deep into drugs, but... Was it, was it like, like sad, like actual drug addiction, or was it like Hunter S. Thompson style, like experimental, like let's get weird with it? He had a stroke. I really have no. Well, idea. I know, but it <laughs> doesn't answer my question. I, I mean, who's to say, right? Like he was not a healthy man. Yeah. What kind of drugs was he into? Do we know? Amphetamines. Let's Google it right now. Is Every that right? all these, yeah, all, all these motherfuckers <laughs> like cocaine. They were they were like stringing together like like uh, uh, you know Harlan Ellison and like uh, 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 L. Ron Hubbard and mm-hmm. I don't know I I just feel like amphetamines are like the common thread amongst so many authors of like was he speedballing yeah okay so probably. a scanner darkly 1977 was the first book he wrote without using speed damn so he was a speedhead he was a speed freak yeah he wrote yeah. all of his books on speed up to that point and that That's was really wild. late in his career. Okay. He died in what? 84 or something? 82. Yeah. Philip um, K. dead. Yeah. <laughs> Had to do he, it. He, uh, yeah. So he was, he was a drug addict for a lot of his time. And he lived eventually, like, he got divorced. He was married and divorced, like, I think it was five times. But, like, in one of those instances, interim periods before his next wife, he was just, like, his life was literally like he just had drug addicts live in his house. Like he just like a bunch of speed freaks all That's just he's wild. just like you can just crash here <laughs> and uh, just live in my home. And he was like basically just living in a crack house, writing books. Was he? Um, I don't because I don't I I knew he was a drug had drug problems and all that. And but but I didn't know much about his life other than he died relatively young. Um, was he like wealthy in his lifetime? Like, did he, do, do we know, like, were his books, because Blade Runner, the movie, kind of came out when, so. right? Yeah, he was definitely, he, and yeah, and he saw the first. He saw Blade Runner, right? He saw Blade he Runner, saw yeah. He saw a yeah. cut of it, he, yeah. yeah. He must have been dead, like, he was very definitely, soon after that, though. Yeah, I think I remember, like, watching the Blade Runner documentary and him seeing the initial shots, but I, I think he might have died, like, soon after that. But then again, Blade Runner came out in, like, 81 or so I think 80. so. That would have been the year before he died, then. Yeah. So I I don't think he ended up seeing the final cut or the cut. He knew that but like I him, yeah. it was so different in terms of its android interpretation because everyone knows Ridley Scott is obsessed with androids. So mm-hmm. and like them being good. 
Um, but he actually, well, I remember in the documentary, it said that he did, he like saw the opening shots of Blade Runner with, you know, with the flames and the eye and everything. Um, and he said that it was like exactly what he was thinking. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I feel like I don't believe him. What? I feel like Why? he saw something. I feel like he saw something cool as shit, and he was like, "No, yeah, yeah." <laughs> so you, I know wait, you, about so his you think you think he was you think he was trying to? Why would he try? He doesn't need to really ride someone else's ar- artistic coattails though. At that I'm point, just, I don't know. I'm just messing. That would be fun. But I just it's just like, oh, dude, no, yeah, no, this is yes, this is what I cool. It's like you're in my head, dude. Like do, when you do, make all. Do the, you guys want to know something? Something that's true that I've told you before. What's that? Yes, I've never seen Blade Runner. Oh right, right. Is that right. is that real? Dead ass true, hundred percent. Wow. I know, about, like I know what happens, and I know the quotes and the fucking tears in the rain, fucking monologue, and I know all that shit. But I've never actually seen the damn thing. Wow, it's nice. It's a good movie. Yeah, no, I know. I, I yeah, I would watch it for sure. Okay. Well, dude. <laughs> <laughs> And I've um, never read. I, and I've never, ball? I've never read the book. And I've. This is actually my first Philip K. Dick book ever. Oh yeah, this that's is only my third. What, which other ones have you read, Paul? I read A Scanner Darkly first when I was like sixteen and remember nothing about it. And I read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep maybe when I was like twenty-five, which was only two years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> um, interesting. <laughs> but I, I don't really remember that much about that either. I liked, I liked that one more than A Scanner Darkly. Here's Either a, being confused. Here's a really dumb, dumb I'm, question. I'm is is there any relationship between a scanner darkly and the film Scanners? No. Okay. No. That's it. Okay, that's the answer then. Scanners. One of the one funny it. thing yeah, about Scanners is a great uh, movie. I have seen that one. I love that movie. About the the like the books that were made into movies. One of them is Paycheck, which I'm pretty sure is with Mel Gibson. Cancel. Mel Gibson is in a and movie I, called I, in called Payback. Oh, okay. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know what paycheck is. Me neither. Me either. I thought it was payback, and I was like, "That's a Philip K. Dick movie." Because <laughs> that movie's crazy. It's just like a noir, like funny. It's like Guy Ritchie on a budget. But it's interesting. Um, well, okay, Matt. How many of his books have you read? Probably more than us. No, no. Uh, the same kind of standard. I just, I think the common thread is like. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Obviously, obviously, standard dork diet. Therefore, Blade Runner the film leading me to the source material. Uh, and then I read uh, "Flow His Tears," the police flow my tears. The policeman said, "What uh, is that about?" Again, I don't really know. It's about a guy who and and obviously we said what what was the number of books. Dick actually ended up publishing in his lifetime. 45 novels and over 100 short stories. Yeah, like 120 short stories. And it's like... You I, know, I, I just typed in, flow my, flow my dick, the policeman said. <laughs> I, I don't want to see the fucking results you got for that, dude. Yeah. Uh, luckily, it autocorrected to the normal thing. but. Uh. <laughs> did, did you mean... Uh... uh yeah, I, I, once again, not. I read that. I read those things as a teenager. That was like my big. That's like the kind of well that I'm still drawing from in terms of a lot of like my sci-fi references. Because that's when I read the most sci-fi and fantasy. Is probably, mm. I would say, a, a period of like, 
when I was like 12 to about 16. And I've just I've just been drawn from that while dr- while moving away from it in time. So right. my memories are like slowly deteriorating. Yeah, I, it's the same thing. Like I uh, real like uh, it's more of like a sort of um, sh- swapped identity story than anything else. Um, the the but, policeman one. Yeah, yeah, but but a similar notion, and it's way more emphasized. Also, the theme of uh, you know what's real and what's not in a more overt way in the. Do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep? But yeah, mm. the, those themes are definitely like front and center always. Like, you're just in a new world. You're just a new person, and everyone's like, "No, you're this guy. No, you're actually this guy, or whatever." And you, it's that that tended to be like in my three so far. That's tends to, that seems to be the biggest thing. Mm. And Dick is like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't. I I don't have a ton of experience in science fiction as a genre i read a lot of uh star wars novels but that's uh that's my that those are my sort of guilty pleasure just vibe not guilty pleasure you know what fuck you star wars novels are fucking awesome (laughs) and lick my balls if you disagree Um, (laughs) creature comfort yeah exactly um but dick is kind of like one of the big right like it well it's weird because i feel like he's like one of the 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 sort of you know i don't know i don't know what the term is like major figures in science fiction but i also feel like yeah. he, he doesn't get i don't know maybe maybe i get the sense that he's a little polarizing in the like sci-fi community because he's not as uh i don't know he's not as like technical as some people or he's not as like hard sci-fi as as some other people might yeah. want or or you know he's a little more philosophical or whatever he's, i don't i just he... don't know He's like, yeah, he's like more, and this is just part of the druggy vibe that may not be necessarily fair in characterizing him, but yeah, he he gets more lumped in with, especially like the cover art for all his shit and stuff, he, with like the 60s fucking mm-hmm. like psych, psychedelic, like Eastern, and, and, you know, this book kind of corroborates on that a bit, like, you know, uh, East meets West, like right. ori- Orientalist kind of spiritualism bleeding into the psychedelic and like LSD movement of of specifically like California in the early sixties. Uh, I think that's mostly what he gets tagged with, and like how that like blew people's minds, man, and like showed clo- the you know the clockwork elves and like uh, <laughs> and then the you know yeah how we're just spirits residing in like fucking meat suits, man, and we, right. we can migrate wherever and that kind of thing. I think that's more what he gets hit with. It's it's Which isn't necessarily like how I re- I've experienced his books. I don't I I don't really fit him into that. I think I think he does have his own unique voice, and I don't. Well, I you, don't really you, see him. I don't know what you're gonna say. I was just saying you. We were texting earlier about like just the feeling of reading his writing style, and well, this yeah. is something that, it, that it, I, I think, yeah, is not conveyed in any of his representations outside of his writing, which, you know, obviously, you, it's like, whatever. Uh, and also, like, all the filmic stuff, because, you know, he's a huge pop culture... I mean, there's literally a show on, like, Amazon Prime Video. The Man in the High Castle was an Amazon Prime Video series. Yep. You had... Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep or something, is, or Electric Dreams, I think, is, like, Philip K. Dick-inspired Black Mirror-style anthology stuff. So, like, he's still actively, like, inspiring and has his name attached to, like, AAA fucking streaming media. For and, sure. 
you know, Blade Runner is like the flagship, but like Minority Report's a big thing. Yep. And uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, and also yeah. a great movie. <laughs> Potentially one of these really authors good. who's had some superior film adaptations to the stories themselves in some mm. ways. Like, I definitely think Blade Runner is that. Um, what about Total Recall? Yes, I was yeah, watching totally some of that recall. today. Yep. Uh, again, yeah, an identity swap. Like, a guy who's not sure if he is whatever, who he set, thinks he is. And, uh, but we were talking about, like, the weirdness of his actual writing style. Like, I don't know if you guys want to elaborate on that, but just, like, what do you mean? What did you mean when you... Because we were all kind of agreeing, but what did you guys mean? I mean, I, I, I can just say my... Like, for this, this being my first Phil K. Dick book, I mean, it... it <laughs> I, it was this, and like I was, I was really hunting for like specific sentences or passages or whatever that could convey what I was feeling, but like couldn't really find any. I have a couple that are like maybe, maybe what I'm trying to get at, but like there's this pervasive sense of just like something here is not fucking fitting. Like something is not clicking. The right, it's like a. I don't know if it's a pacing or or or, or if it's the language choices or if it's the it's the fact that he refers to all of these. And this book has a lot of characters, but they're always referred to by their full names. And like, yeah, there's just so many like weird little things that like I just I I constantly felt. It almost felt like it was like on a lag. Like I was watching a video feed of something, but it was like lagging and like chopping somehow in a way that was like very jarring and i it, to this day up to this moment don't really know what to make of it i don't know if it was like i don't know if it was just bad or if that was like intended or i i i, well, I this very actually makes me happy though because i i have this feeling when i read a lot because i i really have to like you know feel out how the writing the writer's writing style is and i actually had i had this feeling in ah, the ah chang book quite a bit i mean i don't want to go into why maybe i had that feeling again but it does happen to me a lot, and I'm actually glad this happened to you because it is important. It's important to how you experience the whole novel and the ideas within the novel. But, I mean, I remember having this experience when I read his other two novels that I've read, and I had it again this time. It's just like it, it feels like someone who's words are taken out or something, or he's obviously on amphetamines trying to reel it in. <laughs> Like or you know, like it's just choppy and sporadic, and um, it's odd. There's something odd and off about it. It doesn't pacing, flow well. It doesn't. It's just yeah. it's, it's not just enjoyable. I think it's the pacing uh, of certain elements that we've, you know, maybe detrimentally to the story, but also in ways that might be a, a, a strength and a bizarre, like his weakness is a strength somehow of, of just not really giving a shit about mm. uh, unfolding things that we are expecting to, to just be paced in a more dramatic way or, or used have a turn of phrase used about them or whatever. He's just, he seems to not really give a shit about that. He's definitely, hmm. yeah, there, I, I think as much as I hate to just harp on like drug addiction, like, it's hard to avoid, I think. Amphetamines and just amphetamized thinking and just pumping out <laughs> these books. Is, there's not all the nice things are not going to be included. <laughs> none of this shit, do we? Uh, but yeah, and then just like that mixed with like the full name thing is actually a sticking point. Right? That, and no, also what their names are. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Can I talk about? Can I go so first, fucking, please? Yeah, please, please, please. We should probably <laughs> talk about what relate. the book's about at some point. Yeah, we yeah. should. Yeah. Well, that's but, hard um, too. I did want. I was thinking while I was reading this is maybe he writes this way because he thinks that this is like a futuristic way of writing. I th- that was a dumb thought I had. Like maybe he thinks people in the future would talk in this way, but it also relates to the names. Like I think the names, especially in this novel. Are some of some of the worst names I've ever read in a novel? Like the the main guy's name is Joe Chips. It's just Joe um, Chips. There, oh, it's Joe Chip. <laughs> um, but yeah, not, but literally every other person's name I just thought was like awkward and weird, and it just felt like he was trying too hard, or he didn't think enough about them. Yeah, it just, that's it just, more what I was like. Yeah. Joe Chip. Everyone has these goober goober names, and they're all running around, and everyone's, <laughs> and it's just like Joe Chip said this, and then Joe Chip also said this to, <laughs> yeah. to, to Alan Runciter or whatever, or, uh, whatever his name is. Runciter, like, Glenn, Glenn Runciter, Glenn Runciter, and then Pat Conroy, uh, Ray came Noble, in. Don. Uh, what was the Don name? That one got Don me. Denny. Don Denny. Like why? What about there was a Henry. Zoe. Aunt. Who was the Zoe? That was my that was my least favorite one. Zoe? Zoe you mean Zoe? 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 Is there a Zoe? I don't remember the Zoe. Zoe Zworth? Oh, she was that. later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something Zworth. I mean, yeah. there's kind of a there's kind of a almost like a, a, a Marvel Comics naming convention going on with some alliteration and, yes, or whatever. Yes. Uh, and maybe it, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it could just be that we are like being. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a cultural thing that those names were like more made more sense in the late sixties. I have no idea. Like, but this isn't us reading Chinese literature. This no, is uh, a man in the sixties and seventies <laughs> writing about how, how people's names would be in nineteen ninety two. This that's book, true. It takes that's place true. in thirty years. It's like does people's last names change that much? That's a good point. Yeah, this chip, book, this Joe Chip. What is that, dude? Joe Chip. <laughs> Joe Chip. I can't wait to root for Joe Chip. And I, I, I know, like, <laughs> it's the worst I, hero name I've ever heard. I, think. I, I know, you know. I just want to flag that I know that this probably sounds really petty that we're like just harping on like his names and shit. But like, it's part of a whole experience of reading this book that is there. Those little details add up in this really fucking like maddening way. Where you're just like I, yeah. I I don't I have read the name Joe Chip a thousand times and like something feels wrong in all of these sentences <laughs> and I'm kind of freaking out like that was like my that was my experience reading maybe this book. he wants you, maybe his experience is he wants you to feel like he's on cocaine yeah like maybe he just he by speed just, style he had a lot of psychosis speed. because of it too he's he's a mentally unwell man and like. Yeah, you know he's he's had he had he'd had suicide attempts and shit. I just I feel like it comes across. It does. That this individual. I did want to say too though. It's I, maybe I don't want to sound like we're snobs either because I've I mean I've read maybe three of the Game of Thrones books, so makes me a nerd. And also Gabe said he loves Star Wars books, so it's we're not, not being about snobs. No, 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 no. And and again, I'm I, I'm genuinely, like, undecided about how I feel about the whole experience. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out how to express it clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I feel like I'm failing because like, I mean, there's also the, the, um, the fact that, yeah, it takes place in the far, the far future of 1992. And, 
so there's all these made up words. Yeah, it's kind of like just the homeo pape machine and right. and uh, the scion and 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 it, it yeah, like there, there's a lot of just also made up words and and that really invites the particular quirks of the writer who's concocting them, you know, to just whole cloth invent things for a future. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. So just all these words that that alienate you in a sense, or, or take you out, and yeah. it's sci-fi. But I think I highlighted something that was. Um, this is actually kind of a better passage. It's not quite as. It doesn't really do what I'm. I'm, I'm trying to describe either. But I liked it. It's, and there are was, some really good passages. There's some good chunks in here too, for sure. This is. Um. This. I just wrote this phrase sci-fi next to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this book okay. does have like 10 out of 10 sci-fi elements. No question. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just read this little chunk here. And I wrote sci-fi next to it. Uh, we asked Joe Chip to go in there and run tests on the magnitude and minitude of the field being generated there at the Bonds of Erotic Polymorphic Experience Motel. Chip says it registered at its height 68.2 BLR units of telepathic aura, which only Melopone, among all the known telepaths, can produce. <laughs> the technician finished. So that, that's where we stuck Melopone's ident flag on the map. And now he, it, is gone. Did you look on the floor behind the map? It's gone electronically. The man it represents <laughs> is no longer on Earth, or as far as we can make out, on a colony world either. Runciter said, I'll consult my dead wife. And I was just like, sci-fi! <laughs> so, so very sci-fi but that also does kind of capture the weirdness of what i'm talking about like like did you yeah. check under the thing like like, <laughs> like no it's gone electronically like that, yeah that so it does capture that weirdness a little bit and, and a lot of a uh, collapse whatever me. what do they call it like just um mashing words together uh but just like ident flag and stuff like yeah Stuff Joyce would do as like a linguistic joke, but it's like now it's meant to be more of like a, an indication of future language, which is kind of true. Also, uh, I was speaking of weird names and also just weird plot devices. At the beginning of the book, I got the vibe that was like, oh, S. Dole Melopone, which, by the way, why? <laughs> Like, well, it's just a name, dude. It's, it's not just a name. It's just a guy trying to be living his life. <laughs> this is giving me the giggles. S. Dole. <laughs> I was like, so funny. I was like, I was like, oh, the, here's wow. our, here's our, you know, here's our villain. He's like the most powerful psychic and they're going to have to, and he's disappeared off the grid. And now we're going to have to go try to find <laughs> S. Dole Melopone. The most powerful telepath. And he just, <laughs> he just disappears and never comes back to the story at all. <laughs> and then you're like maybe it's hollis right i thought maybe pat i thought it was maybe pat but it's not 
Well, there's a lot of twists and turns. Okay, maybe oh, we God. should, after half an hour into talking about it, we should probably say what the book is about. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. Paul, you want to give it a now. shot? <laughs> Paul, no. fire away. I'm too fragile. Wait, this crying laughing at the whole mess. Why is it? It's so uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, live television, folks. I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to get through it. There's a guy named, there's a guy named Jory in this story. It's Corey with a J. <laughs> Corey with a J. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Jory. <laughs> Jory was one of the worst ones. He's the villain. He's the main villain. He, well, spoilers. Okay, it's always spoilers. Jesus. Oh my god. I haven't, laughed, to... I haven't lost Ooh. it like that in so long. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the power of this book. Who would win, Jory or S. Dole Melipone? <laughs> you can't say it. You can't say it. <laughs> or Joe Chip. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, this is terrible content. <laughs> we gotta get it together. <laughs> we love you. We love you, listeners. Thank you for sticking with us. <laughs> Joe versus Jory. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> Who's gonna win? <laughs> no, Jory win? is just Joker Corey. <laughs> yeah, that's Corey, right. He was a Joker. <laughs> god. Oh my Fuck. god, it hurts, dude. Fuck. What? Yeah. What is happening? Uh, <laughs> Jory, Jory, <laughs> Jory is definitely Joker fight. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, my te- my temples fucking hurt, dude. Oh. What a mess! What an absolute mess! We've made a, a dog's dinner of it, or whatever it is. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, listeners. It just sometimes you get the giggles. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. That's, yeah, mm. that's been building up just from the just the psychic residue of whatever this book is. <laughs> Seriously, honestly, it kind of makes sense that that just happened oh, with yeah. this book. <laughs> well, okay. well, because it, it's kind of like a futuristic corporate espionage, <laughs> would you say? <laughs> Yeah, it definitely well, is. It start well. It starts out that way, but then it kind of, yeah. but then it kind of zigs and zags. It kind of turns into. Uh... <laughs> now it's Matt's turn. <laughs> oh god! It's just when you think the book's gonna zig and zags. <laughs> oh my god, dude! That's just dick for you, dude. <laughs> I swear, we're not even that drunk, everybody. No, we're not. I had no Budweiser. at all. I had one Budweiser. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, mm. All right. Mm. Uh, 
Someone say something. Well, it was this uninterrupted like eight minutes of <laughs> people laughing. Okay, so uh, Paul, yeah, Paul, you you were talking about the corporate espionage angle, which it is, right? Because the book takes place in a world where <laughs> where it's nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety two, and psychic activity <laughs> is like normal, right? Yeah, well, and it's there's. Actually... There's yeah, precogs, which are actually in the Minority Report, right? In the book, and that was written in I think '54. Was it that early? In, yeah. Yeah. So it was like the years before this book was written, and I'm not sure if this book's considered like a sequel or not. But uh, precogs are just people that <clears throat> are basically telepathic. Matt. <laughs> uh, um. So what this 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 book? <laughs> feel feel free to jump in, Gabe. I'm here. I'm here. No. So yeah. so so basically, in this world, there's <laughs> there's people who do like psychic interventions. There are like precogs and people who read minds and shit like that, right? And, and it's part of like the corporate. Yeah, and there's companies for that, right? You hire companies if, you know, if, I don't know, if you want to know if your wife's cheating on you or whatever. You can hire a psychic to come and, like, read their mind and follow them and shit. And then, but then there are other companies who have people who can counteract those powers and you can hire them to try to, like, kind of thwart the people from the first type of company. Which is kind of what this company that we follow throughout the book that, does, right? The right. Run, 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 run Runciter and Associates. Runciter. <laughs> Don't. We can't with the name. Uh, I just got a hold of myself. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it, it mirrors the two, because ba- I would say there's basically like, it's just like a two-act, essentially, structure. It's just like, I, I think it's lopsided <clears throat> in how long it is, but like it's essentially like, he throws out all these fucking ideas. There's I mean, the main so thing much is here. the main thing right away is, and I it even shows up in the in the quote I read where he's like, "I'm going to talk to my, I'll consult my dead wife." Like the key idea to seed right at the beginning, which he does, is that uh, when you die, if you if you uh, they found a way where like if they can get you in on ice and in cold storage um, fast enough they can put you in what's called half-life, which seems to be this just, like, weird purgatory where, you know, they can use some sort of, like, Ghostbusters technology to, like, keep your <laughs> keep your spirit, like, floating around in some, like, nether realm, and, and like, I, which I assume is part brain activity, part just, like, weird Tibetan mysticism right. on uh, Dick's part. And, and but, then, but, um, but the other key thing is that, like you said, man, that quote, people from, people who are still alive can still communicate with you. Yeah. Via some like headsets and mics and shit. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's cool. The world is, it's like this global thing, but it's it's very small because it's just literally like, you mostly flit through this weird futuristic moratorium or whatever. Or in, not moratorium, in, but uh, uh, Switzerland, uh, right? Yeah. The whatever the mausoleum thing. No, I think they call it a moratorium, right? The. Yeah, it, or it's no, in, wait, uh, whatever. Moratorium is not the right word, probably. Yeah, uh, but it's in Zurich, and you know, I, I, it's funny. Like, kind of mimics the uh, the the kind of 
you know, one one could say progressive, or it's just allowable uh, voluntary death kind of stuff that's going on around the like right. Nordics and things. Um, but yeah, mostly it's just like that, and then like you said, basically they they at some point they kind of jokingly, not jokingly, but like I think the joke is like there's uh, people with these talents like psionism and telepathy, uh, and then like. So Runciter runs what he calls an anti-talent agency, right? Which, which is, is where he's just like, we need people who can, who are so have are so anti-talented in in telepathy that they actually cancel out <laughs> someone's telepathy, right? Um, and uh, yeah, it's basically just these two corporate entities existing. I, I kind of thought of like there's sort of an X Men, yes, definitely. Do- duality going on here where it's like we got to keep normies from having a fighting chance so we can't let a telepath go into your company and steal all your corporate secrets by reading your mind right uh so if you need we can hire a person that can just like find them immediately and negate their abilities and and that's it it's just those are like the two most profitable like business ventures ever since like it was known that there were people with like extrasensory abilities and stuff what one thing that i Yes, and we've covered probably the first 30 pages plot-wise because mm-hmm. but but one th- one thing that I'll just say is that like and I know this is a kind of like a cringe kind of like sci-fi like fantasy nerd term, but like I was not thrilled with the world building in this book. Like it felt a little under like it's all uh-huh. it's 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 like Dick's method in this book is at least, and I don't know about his other books, maybe you guys can speak to this a little bit more, is like pretty much to just fucking drop you in it and explain nothing. And like you can, you kind of just pick it up along the way, which, you know, that, that can be effective, but I don't know how effective it was here for me. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Cause it's such a short book and it moves so fast. Like, I mean, there's a, I mean, and I think most of his books are pretty short. Like, like androids is a pretty short novel, but there I would say there's really great world building in that one. I mean, it gave birth to to, to Blade Runner, obviously. But the I would agree with you this dude. one. Yeah, which actually he didn't write. No, I know. The actor. Improv came up with that on the day. That's more. Improv. That speaks more He's like an improv actor. <laughs> gesturing. That that speaks more to like how sparse and kind of skeletal the 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 environment anyway i would say right of of where these characters are is like where you can create like no one really tells you fucking anything right about like where they're at there's doors and they go into buildings and whatever but like they're in a flying car you know there's like that level of description yep but yeah as far as literal environment description or whatever just like setting it's very nothing yeah basic which is why like ridley scott can go and and concoct an entire aesthetic that will Mm. and look for the future that will like be mimicked to this day and it has nothing to do with anything philip k dick wrote So so you think that that's something that's consistent through what you've read of dick it's not just like this book yeah Yeah, i mean even even with androids i mean i wouldn't say that it's like entirely full flesh fleshed out at Mm. all the ideas are there and they're vivid enough that you can get a sense of what the world is. But I will say that Matt's right. Like Ridley Scott, like painted a huge picture to fill in those gaps mm. and like amplified 
I mean, I don't really like even like that book. I think Ridley Scott amplified the story and made a better movie than um, Dick made a book. <laughs> the, the key for that one is that Philip K. Dick did not like androids. He was not like, oh, it's, right. it might be cool to be an android. He's like, these are horrifying creations that are not human and you should never think they are. Right. And then Ridley Scott's like, but what if they... But imagine maybe, that they were, though. Yeah. Because I love them, uh, and I'm in love with, and I'm in love with them. Uh, <laughs> and then you know and you I see that extended out. Kiss him on his lips. You see that extended out into like Prometheus and stuff, where he's just like, I love the android. Uh, so here's the rest Phil- of the plot. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I think partially the like, uh, it, it they do mirror each other a bit. Uh, the the two segments like. You never Hollis is the one the like pseudo terrorist almost, but it seems like he's a terrorist, but he's also running a legit well, the, company of somehow. That's also one of the weird things about like the the book is sort of um the world that it presents is kind of like implicitly Yeah, Hollis who is the guy who runs the like pro psychic company that they're trying mm-hmm. to that Runciter and Associates are trying to like constantly, you know, outdo and outmaneuver and, and whatever, whatever. <clears throat> But, like, the world itself is is sort of... And, again, we don't get a, we don't get a really good handle on the politics. Uh, they, they live in something called, like, the North, North American, like, Association or something, right? I forget the name yeah. of the exact, like, place or the political formation that they exist in. But, you know, everything... It's like a libertarian dystopia, sort of. Like everything has to be paid for, including like you know, yeah. it, it costs like ten cents. It costs like, it costs like five cents to open the door to your fucking apartment, right? to open <laughs> right. your to open Fridge. your refrigerator, right? Yeah. Or to yeah. pick up your phone. Costs everything costs. It's these like, in this this was sort of one of the like kind of uh, interesting. You know, if you talk about you know sci-fi as kind of predicting the future or whatever, it's it's the it's basically microtransactions, right? It's yeah. like you have to kind of like, pay for as a literally metaphor, everything. It's it, it's effective. Like it's funny and it, and it feels true today even if if not in as archaic a form, you right. know. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that those those little things about his sci-fi world building are the are the things that actually still resonate now about his work the most, I would mm. say. Um like I think in Do Andro- in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, he talked about like the crosswalks talking. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't walk, don't walk in Blade Runner. And um, that was entirely Dick's idea. And I think he, he actually just has, like, a... He had a good knack of thinking about um, the world and how... Like, what it could turn into. And just... He, he was pretty smart with his little sci-fi... Or just at least futuristic ideas of what might happen with our technology or just how... With our society or whatever. And, you well, know... Yeah, go ahead, man. I just... I, I know he was... Uh, at least at some early stage, he he was pretty anti he's he's pretty anti communist like anti Reds mm, kind of stuff. Interesting. Um, but he was also lefty, like super lefty as well. You know, California, San Francisco guys. And I know <clears throat> at one point, based on potentially involvement with his one of his ex wives and and the socialists, uh, he he had he's had some he had some runs with the FBI. He had like mm. a, maybe a couple. Like they came to his house and he dealt with them. And then at one point. It's, I think it's confirmed that they, he, there was an incident where his house was broken into and he didn't know who it was and he kind of went off, off on a psychotic break a bit after oh, that. Oh shit! 
Um, and it was, I think it was confirmed that that was also the FBI like rummaging through his shit. So he, he was kind of, he was monitored. Uh, what did he do? <laughs> what for? Drugs? I don't know. Like, Lefty shit, I, dude. I mean, back in that, back in the day, in the fifties. Like, yeah, the FBI would literally just show up to your house oh, if you were like, I, yeah, the 50s. I am a leftist. Yeah, it's probably yeah. the OSS at some point while he was doing right. that. You know, like yeah. So, some and of this that paranoia is, is justified. And this, and this book has some pretty, uh, you know, pointed critiques of of capital and sort of like advertising culture and like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sort of you know, quick fix kind of like mentalities. And so we haven't really talked about what Ubik is or Ubik itself. Um, right. But so here's, here's the, the quick and dirty of the rest of the plot, as far as I understand it. And the plot is not, I don't know, we might disagree about what even happens in the fucking book. Yeah, maybe. So basically there's a guy who works uh, for, for Runciter <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna say his name. Um, not Joe Chip. It's the other guy. Yes. G G G, G Ashwood or Asher. Okay. What, what is it? Ashwood or Asherwood? I forget. Ashwood. I think. Ashwood. But that one. Ashwood. Not as funny of a name. But he. No. Um, it's sort of like a recruiter who goes out and finds people. He finds a young girl who has this crazy talent where she can basically new, new talent that they haven't seen before, where she can basically like. She can't time travel, but she can like, rev like, like revert to a previous time state up to a point or something. She can just kind of like set a reset button like back to a. It's like save states and speed running. She can kind of like, <laughs> like revert. Well, she, can, she can like change something though. Like I think she used the example of her like she her parents were precogs. Yes. And they when she was a kid she broke a vase or something and they punished her like three weeks before it happened <laughs> which is yeah. a big thing about minority report right um but then after it happened the time was still present but she changed the thing breaking right so it's not like she didn't revert it back to a time well you know, she, she it was the same time but she just this is the, this the is shit. kind of the thing it's like unclear exactly how it works yeah um, it's like partially the secret yeah, it's kind of like, like she kind of is just like that actually is not true. And then eventually it isn't it. It, it did. Yeah, right, right. It did. Remind but she does me. splinter it off. It's kind of it actually reminds me of the great work of time a bit where like it seems like what it does is do that thing like that. Yeah. They call it orthogonal yes. logic where like she just splinters off on yes. a sort of, um, you know, perpendicular path. Well, it also, I mean, it, it also reminded me of the Lathe of Heaven, where the guy can change yeah. the shit in his dreams, yeah, and only he really notices that. it. And for everyone else, that just is reality. Right. But he's the, you know, that's kind of what she does, except it's more intentional. It's not, like, something that she does inadvertently. And um, similarly, the people have, like, it takes a minute for people to forget right, the prior reality. Right. And there's, it, like, there's still little, these, like, yeah. They realize something is off, but they can't, like, say what it is or whatever. So anyway, okay, they find this girl, they bring her on, and then they get this big contract. They have to, there's someone, there's like a rich Wall Street guy who's doing some new thing on the moon, and right. they... This is where it turns into Inception, basically. Yeah. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is in this book. Basically. And so they hire the firm to take all of their best, um, you know, their best... Inertials. Anti, inertials, they call them, right. The anti-talent the anti people. To take all their best inertials to the moon and uh, try to stop Hollis and his <laughs> psychics, his size, 
from doing their dastardly shit. So they get to the moon. It turns out that it's a fucking setup, and it was Hollis the yeah. whole time, and there's a bomb, and Hollis is just trying to kill all the best people that work for Runciter, and the bomb goes off. The, what, quick note about the bomb, which I liked. This is the, these are the <coughs> details that make the books fun. Yes. Is the bomb is like a guy. It's a guy. And then slowly, it's the, he slowly fills up like a big balloon. And everyone's like, oh no, he's a bomb man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, basically, he uh, he's basically yeah. fucking, um, he's like a what's her name? Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. Was she yeah. the one, the blueberry that like filled up? And <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Or no, you're turning violet. Violet is violet. Violet, violet, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. violet. Um, but anyway, so then he blows up. And then, so in the uh, initial story, Runciter dies. The boss dies, but everyone else survives. They escape the moon. They go back. But then weird shit starts happening. They start, like, their money starts changing, and it doesn't work anymore in the th- shit that they have to put it in. Mm-hmm. Runciter's face starts showing up on money. Yeah. Um, like random pieces of technology start reverting to earlier states like TVs and fr- like fridges and shit like that. Yeah. And it becomes clear that there's some kind of like time fuck going on where like some things are going backwards and some appear to be going forward. Like there's coins with Runciter's face that are dated from like years in- ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and then basically it becomes clear that there's like a, a a saboteur in the midst who's like running time backwards to try to kill all of the inertials that were there. And then it turns out that maybe they're all already dead and that they're all in the, in the fucking um, frozen, basically cryogenic state. Yeah. And actually they all died, but Runciter was the only one that survived. And then he starts communicating to them. And then there's another fucking like bad entity in there with them named Jory, Jory, who we do, who, to be fair, we do meet earlier in the book because he yes. he kind of hijacks... He's talking to Ella. Right, he uh, kind of hijacks... Wife. He hijacks Runster's conversation with his dead wife at one point earlier on. So it's established. But anyway, so yeah, you can see the zigs and the zags. And basically, <laughs> Joe Chip has to confront Jory... <laughs> Save the day. And, ...and try to... Yeah. He has to put his chips on the table. <laughs> okay, goddammit. I mean, I'm surprised no one said that in the book. But yeah, seriously. Uh, well, and that's and that's where I think. That, and none uh, of that explains what U- Ubik is, which is great. So yeah, uh, yeah, and Ubik well, is we, we, referenced we in fake commercials at the top of each chapter, yes. yeah. even before the the potential cold pack uh, half life purgatory r- portion. Yes, and there's no thread between the the short snippet commercials. I would say either. It's just like it sounds like it could be any commercialized item that's being advertised here's a here's an example just to give you an idea perk up pouting household surfaces with new miracle ubic the easy to apply extra shiny non-stick plastic coating entirely harmless if used as directed saves endless scrubbing glides you right out of the kitchen there's stuff like that in at the beginning of every chapter i got one wild new ubic salad dressing not italian not french but an entirely new and different taste treat that's waking up the world wake up to ubic and be wild Safe when taken as directed. <laughs> yes, that's one of which the, I, li- I like that. That's also one of the things that re- recurs in all those little chapter head ads. It's like safe when taken as directed. Follow instructions carefully, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The assumption, obviously, being it would kill you if you didn't. Exactly. Yeah. But 
the, I mean, what the what Ubik is in the story though is like, do we say that it's a spray can that you spray in the netherworld that keeps you alive as a half-life being? <laughs> we didn't. Sure, yeah. That's kind that's, of that's really what its purpose is. Or it uh, keeps you. More. Yeah, exactly. It it keeps you in. It like keeps you in a specific state of time, I guess. Or health within or, your, yeah, your dying Yeah, because it also heals like, wounds in the book. Right, of your spray, spray ghost. Can. But these people are all already in the cold packs, so. I think, so one of the things I was thinking of was just, like, in the mirroring thing. I mean, yeah, I, th- I, I think it's pretty on the nose with how you have to pay five cents, ten mm. cents to literally do move your body through the future world of 1992. And I think I think there's a lot of obvious, like, commodification of the spirit and death and how even your dead body is like a fucking phone call that certain relatives have to make and they're like I better get the best for my money and then he's all pissed when Jory is hijacking his line he's like the fuck up like Jory yeah Jory uh which which Jory ends up being terrifying really he's legit scary yeah legit scary Jory. I mean, I feel like I'm just laughing this whole thing, but there was—I really did like a lot of the moments in this. I, I thought one of the more fascinating ideas was that—I mean, not an idea that I agree with—but all these people that are in this half-life state in the cold boxes or whatever, they're conscious, but they're also like able to communicate with each other, right? Which I thought to be very a very strange idea, and it's unclear yeah. if you can only communicate with people around you that also went into the cold boxes at the same time you did uh, or if you can like i know we memed about this early on in the episode but it is fucking kind of like the matrix (laughs) yeah (laughs) once people lay side by side and live in a jointly hallucinated reality yeah they kind of of make like a shared world like that's the whole thing is that like jory it turns out that jory was kind of creating this whole world actively for all these people and like he reverts them back to like 1939 or something right um and and like no he doesn't it's the problem is he's warring with ella and ella's the one who has the like crystal clear 1939 memories because she's actually an old person right 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 and jory's just like he's literally like a billionaire's fail son who died young Mm -hmm. and now parasitically lives in the afterlife too and and he like and he's eating eats dead people's souls ghosts yeah yeah which is also a cool idea if there's a one that i mean no one can say that philip k dick doesn't throw cool ideas fast and thick at you it's just you know yeah that's kind of what you're here for i would say more so than um you know beautiful language or anything it's 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 like you know how you read a lot of like sci-fi it's like if you if it's also if they're beautiful writers that's a huge bonus but, but mostly you're there for like cool concepts being uh, elaborated on or whatever. It also reminded me of, um, yeah, it also reminded me at least when it sort of becomes clear that the, uh, the inertials are the ones who are kind of dead in the cold packs. It, it reminded me of that black mirror episode, um, San Junipero where they have yeah. the, the, except that's happy and this is not. Um, but like, it's, it's a similar of sort of thing where you're kind of like, you know, in this half dead like post life state and in this like shared crafted reality except here it's crafted by like a psychotic like dead guy yeah yeah and i i really was thinking of inception 
a lot too because i mean uh there are moments in that where people in the dreams like don't know they're dreaming and that's kind of what a lot of the people's experiences in the corporation was for like a lot of the book they like didn't even know exactly what their predicament was until Rensiter tells Joe Chips um (laughs) but there's also the the, (laughs) there's also the the thing in Inception too where it's like uh if you stay in there too long, you'll die, which yes. is kind of in this too. Yes, um, unless you have unless you have Ubik. Yeah, you need Ubik. Well, Ubik, Ubik. I mean, I think it's safe to say that like uh, the fucking the Matrix, the Nolan, all these people were certainly influenced, right, by Philip K. Dick. Well, I like, think I'm just yeah, trying to give him some more credit. Like, I, I was, yeah, this is power. Like I was even thinking, like I watched WandaVision recently. And there's mm-hmm. that's a great show. And there's there's moments in WandaVision where, um, like, they're trying to communicate to Wanda. You find out later in the show they're trying to communicate to Wanda, whatever Spoilers. name is, um, through like a like a thing like an audio thing to, that comes out of a radio within the t- television show. This doesn't mm-hmm. make sense if you don't know what that show's about. But that kind of happens in this too. Like the people that communicate, like Rinsider can communicate yes. through weird means. Yeah, Rinsider. to the people that are. That, that was part of why yeah. his face started showing up on money and shit is because he was actually trying imperfectly through the like interference of Jory to communicate with these with his employees who were all dead and trying mm-hmm. to be you know he he shows up on like TV commercials and on posters and shit with messages and like graffiti yeah which yeah. I'm not sure how he does that if you know <clears throat> like if you don't have a direct line if the person isn't conjured to speak to you right i don't know how he maybe he doesn't have to try maybe it, reality reorients to accommodate whatever the communication is but you know what i mean like he's ha- he's writing notes in yeah. cigarette boxes and on uh tickets that cops give people for speeding yes it's, it's very i liked it um but yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, it, it might be not worth it even to explain the way most of this functions. I don't know. Y- you know. Well, I mean, it. Yeah. I, I think, think the, that's always a... earlier. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, I feel like he's really good at throwing out a lot of ideas. I don't even know if he totally knows the extent of how they all fit together. Right. You know, he's like really excited about all these things he's thinking <laughs> yeah. about. He spits them out. And he's chemically excited. That's always like the that's always the fine line in science fiction, right? Like here's like a bunch of like cool ideas and cool shit and like how you know in 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 how much detail do I need to explain how it functions, right? Like how yeah. how in depth do I need to get about why it works the way it does? And I I mean I actually think that Dick does have kind of a a funny like um uh meta commentary moment about that towards the end where you know about how the ubic works yes where uh you know um joe chip second to lex it's like very close to the end joe chip is sort of like about to you know die because jory is kind of like overpowering him and he you know because one of the things jory is able to do is even in the that reality is like revert ubic as a as like a commercial product back to the point where it's like not useful anymore and it might actually kill you 
mm-hmm. um, because it has these fucked up ingredients, which is like a commentary, which is funny because it's sort of like a commentary on like the awful shit we used to put in actual commercial products that people used. It becomes like a cream with just like straight poison in it, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, oh, if I ingest this, I would be dead instantly. But there's this there's this paragraph uh, right at the end. Yeah, it's like the third or fourth to last page where, and I think this is kind of like Dick commenting. I, I, I don't know if I should read the whole thing, but it's... Um, Do it up. Okay, so this is like the, very the third to last movie. page. Um, what is... So, so uh, Joe Chip is talking to this girl that he basically has conjured to bring him more usable Ubik. What is Ubik, Joe said, wanting her to stay? A spray can of Ubik, the girl answered, is a portable negative ionizer with a self-contained high-voltage low-amp unit powered by a (laughs) peak-gain helium battery of 25 kV. The negative ions are given a counterclockwise spin by a radically biased acceleration chamber, which creates a centripetal (laughs) tendency to them so that they cohere rather than dissipate. A negative ion field diminishes the velocity of antiphotophasons normally present in the atmosphere. As soon as their velocity falls, they cease to be antiphotophasons, and under the principle of uh, parity, no longer can unite with protophasons radiated from persons frozen in the cold pack. That is, those in half-life. The end result is that the proportion of protophasons not canceled by antiprotophasons increases, which means, for a specific time anyhow, an increment in the net put-forth field of protophasonic activity, which the affected half-lifer experiences as greater vitality, plus a lowering of the experience of low cold pack temperatures. So you can see why regressed forms of Ubik failed to... And then Joe cuts in and says something. And and I kind of think that's funny because he seems to be... Um, almost because that paragraph is like uh, clearly nonsense, right? Right. Um, and he seems to be kind of sending up uh, or poking fun at the kind of like hard sci-fi people who demand like I need to know exactly how this fucking works or whatever. Um, and it it just felt a little meta to me in a in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah, because that's not what he's in the game for at all. That's not he's he's not a hard sci-fi guy. He's not trying to explain how like you know ion thrusters would right, work right. conceivably it's right. like you know he's not even trying to he's he's not even trying to be like Crichton where he's putting a thin patina of you know Harvard uh science knowledge over fantastical stuff enough to make it feasible I, I yeah Philip K. Dick does not give a shit about that he wants to talk about the Tibetan Book of the Dead in this basically on some level yes and like all the cool Which shit he, does. He, he learned from his gurus and stuff uh and uh, well, and he'll just make up a word like protophasonic activity to describe why you can be a ghost after you die, and that's it. It's done, and you're a nerd if you want to know why. It is kind of this Chad. What, he, uh, does, it do, he does kind of have a Chad like, oh, you want to know how this works? You're fucking loser. Yeah, you, you stop reading. You're in it for the wrong... And that's why he saves it for the end, because he's like... The, the dude, Joe Chips, has been trying to... Tom, Tom Doritos... Tom Dorito has been trying to find out the ingredients to Ubik and what it is for Joe like. Lays. <laughs> That's a cool guy. Uh, for a long time, to- like for like fifty pages at the minimum. The whole book, yeah, yeah. Or the whole time he's been in Afterlife, and like, and he, it's it's just funny. I think he's yeah, it's a joke. He's stringing you along, and then you finally you finally get a can of the stuff, 
and you get to read the label on the back like a weirdo. Yes. And he makes fun of you for wanting it, and he saves it to the end. So yep. you, that's when you can only—that's when you can get off on that. And it's, yeah, I like that. What were you gonna say, Paul? Oh, I found a quote of by uh, Dick's former wife Tessa on Wikipedia, where she's talking about what she claimed Dick thought Ubik was, and it's cringe. Ooh, let's go. She said, uh, Ubik is a metaphor for God. Ubik is, is all-powerful and all-knowing, and Ubik is everywhere. The spray can is only a form that Ubik takes to make it easy for people to understand it and use it. It is not the substance inside uh, the can that helps them, but rather their faith in the promise that it, it will help them. You just had to believe. I did not see that at all. I, but, I, kind I, mean, of... I think that I think he was a... Uh, there's pictures of him wearing, like, a giant cross necklace. I think that he was, like... I feel like that's probably just edgy. Maybe well, it was just of, He's, edgy. like, a Christian mystic. Like, there, there's, like, a psychedelic Christian kind of stuff yeah. that, that has been popular for a long time, and that, that's something that you could probably do. Um, well, I think that, you know, I, that, that, you know, that checks out in some ways in terms of my reading of the book, and maybe we should read that, that final ad for Ubik in that last chapter. Because he basically says the same thing. It's You don't even, you know. You want to read it, Matt? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, but I also, you know, when, when after Matt reads it, we can talk. Because, like, I read it much more as, like, a, a, a much more anti-capitalist sort of thing, frankly. As, like, a way of talking about, like, you know, the way in which products and and capital kind of structure our reality and that that also involves in really profound ways i think like faith like oh capital like this product is going to make me feel better or like this what i'm missing in my life is you know a nicer kitchen or a nicer couch or whatever and i think that's what the purpose of these like chapter heading ads are in some ways like it's Ubik is actually that sort of like ethereal meaning, right? Like it's this like it's this thing that the nicer car is promising you but doesn't actually exist. Yeah, I mean it's it reminded me of Fight Club. It reminded me of Fight Club mm. and like I am my IKEA blue suede couch or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I thought of it that way as just like an anti obvious anti capitalistic sentiment. But yeah. I will say after you read the thing, Matt I did find parts of it to be, like, oddly pro-capitalist mm. um, that I thought were kind of unintentional. But I, If you have a thing to say, read about, about that, that would be cool. Because I, I didn't I, – I believe you. I just I – don't, I don't know. Yeah, if you, you have, have any a, quotes from that, that would be good. Fine one. Oh, I don't have any quotes. I just thought I, – I thought that uh, Runciter acting as, like, the CEO kind of came across as, like, strangely the cowboy john wayne hero trying to save his employees mm. from this this well, the very last death the very last page is the final zag yes. right like because then it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you know but i i know what you mean it's funny that it was, we're rooting for inertials like it feels like we're rooting for the people who it feels like we're yeah like we're rooting for the people who are like trying to like put a kibosh on like cool, wild, evolutionarily interesting talents in like the new phase of humanity. Well, and, or and and Hollis Hollis, the guy who runs the other company, is explicitly characterized as having that view, right? That like you guys are holding back humanity basically right. by trying to stop us from doing this shit. 
Because it's it not felt quite Magneto like, Xavier. Uh, right. Cause no, it felt like... Uh, what is it called when people do tech in California? Silicon Valley. Was that Silicon Valley? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like... It... They do tech. <laughs> I, I, I've been trying to suppress my giggles still. So, <laughs> yeah, they're right. They're right under the surface. At least no one said S. Dole Melpone. <laughs> you can't do it. I'm having a tough enough time with inertials. It's just initials, but it's inertials. <laughs> One of the dumbest words I've ever seen. Yeah, that is part of the problem. The words are. Are legitimately awkward when yeah. you you know, but. <sighs> All right, Matt. Do you want to read this final Ubik ad? Yeah, this is this is the end. This is where, and I, I think, you know, I think Ubik is. It it has all these manifestations as like they as time regresses into different periods of, you know, pat you know, all the way to 1939 from 1992, where like Ubik is called Ubik. And the elixir of Ubik and stuff, and and it's always like snake oil or just some bullshit, uh, uh, sort of hearkening back to the the these ideas of like cure alls and panaceas that people used to sell that were just like fucking, it is you know olive oil with gold flakes in it and shit, right, and like, right. you know, j- just the idea you're, people are always trying to bottle, the perfect product in happiness general. and happiness, a panacea, and like that, that ends up being you know explicitly. God, I, I feel like a pretty like, yeah, uh, yeah, a, a God by the end, in a very explicitly in this little chunk right at the end of chapter seven or beginning of chapter seventeen, uh, where, the, w- in place of where those like shitty ads used to be, it goes, "I am Ubik, before the universe was, I am. I made the suns, I made the worlds, I created the lives and the places they inhabit. I moved them here, I put them there. They go as I say, they do as I tell them." I am the word, and my name is never spoken, the name which no one knows. I am called Ubik, but that is not my name. I am. I shall always be. Which is super, it's very biblical. Like, it's very, uh, like, Old yeah. Testament. Like, you know, back in the, the, the you know. Like, the what is the Yahweh thing? I'm, I'm, it's, I'm it's, struggling. It's, it's like, the, I am. I am who am. Yes, is the is yeah. the Yahweh like like self description, and so it's very like it, it to me pretty clearly calling back to that sort of language. Jehovah starts with an I. Yeah, and Ubik is also you know the der- derivation is ubiquitous and right. Ubik meaning uh, Latin for like everywhere, every everywhere, and yeah. So you know, it's, it's not like tenderly pl- placed in there that idea. It's like it's pretty. It's pretty in your face. It's it's very in your face, and it's it, it. I don't know. I was trying to think of like, okay, so if if Ubik is a spray can when you're in the Half Life world, and Dick's trying to say that uh, Ubik is like consumeristic. I don't know values or just things that you have to spray yourself with. Is that just like a direct metaphor for how you are in when you're not in the cold pack and in the half life mm. world? Are, like, are we just spraying each other with uh, with a ubic metaphorical ubic when we're not That's... half dead, but when we are half dead, we're using spray can. It it just seemed like it, I can kind of see what he's what he's doing, but it it feels funny to me. Mm. Yeah, it feels a little 
off and funny. There's there is a certain amounts of like, and I can't tell if I'm just basic bitch who needs like, yeah, nice nice themes rounded off and developed in a way that I like personally. But like, <laughs> yeah, the, some of these things didn't feel like they connected necessarily. Like, the yeah. two segments felt lopsided in a way. There, yeah. there was too much. There was too much extra stuff that to not have been resolved that was just kind of um, thrown in there for all the lack of world building quote unquote you know there were still a lot of ideas about what the world was that they were in in nineteen in this like fake 1992 and you know like Gabe was say, like I think mentioned earlier like a lot of shit just gets kind of tossed out yeah and then we're just in the new part where he wants to talk he, re- he wanted to talk about cold pack and he wanted to talk about the afterlife uh Instead. And like, and yeah, and and yeah, it's like, the first, you know, it, it's such a fucking like, skirt skirt moment <laughs> in the book where I'm like, okay, cool, like we're doing like corporate espionage and there's a bombing on like a, yeah. the, on the moon, like cool, like I'm with it, like, and then it just goes, like totally <laughs> like skirt skirts into something completely different. And I just like, and you know, it's not like the first part, like you said, Matt, it is lopsided, like it's not like. The, the the he's it, it's half the book setting up like that like pulling out the rug it happens relatively quickly um yeah. but still i was just i just like uh, it, it was well, I it's, couldn't it's help so it. the whole the, the the word i i keep coming back to in terms of describing my experience of reading this book is just jarring it's just bit just jarring in so yeah, many the yeah. language the the pacing it's it's i don't know well yeah the overall plot is jarring and then the you know the microcosm of the particular paragraphs and sentences are also jarring. It's just like it throws it throw me off left and right, and it, I really do think it comes down to amphetamines. It honestly feels like it. he wrote he wrote each chunk like in a three week or three day binge, and then he fell asleep for three days, and then he woke up and wrote the next one, and then fell asleep and then finished it. Well, he's he's still writing like a. a He's still writing more in the mystery genre. It felt mm-hmm. to me overall. Like, yeah, it kind of felt noiry. Yes. Or yeah. Or well, like Hollywood. Because you have those. You yeah. have, one one thing that maybe we should talk about is that like there's a, and I think that this is maybe comes through in a bad way in the book is that this book was like pretty explicitly written with Dick, for Dick as like this is going to become a movie. Right, like there's a yeah. there's a screenplay version of this book that he also oh. wrote, yeah, um, and like it's the only one that hasn't. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Which is funny, and I wonder maybe maybe that is part of it. But like, there's clearly like those scenes where I can be like, oh yeah, he wrote this thing, envisioning how it would look in a movie. Like those scenes where, um, you know, early on when we when we meet Joe Chip, he's kind of this like, you know, poor like. <laughs> He's like he's like oh yeah he's like this poor he can't afford to open his but fridge. he's but he's too smart and he wakes up hungover and he's like answering his phone like hey yeah I'm here what do you need man I'm hungover and like edgy and like you <laughs> could, I can just see Phil, like Philip K Dick's vision of that on the screen as he's writing it in the book you know what I mean and there was a lot of scenes that felt that way to me. Yeah, one one scene like that including the time travel out. scenes when they go back and they're like in like nineteen thirties Oklahoma or where or in Iowa they're in Iowa they're in Des Moines I think yeah right? Des Moines yeah which I don't know anything about it because I live in Florida <laughs> yeah right. right 
yeah, the one of the scenes I was thinking that felt very Hollywood movie screenplay was when uh, Joe Chip finally meets the uh, Rensiter at the end, and they're talking, and he's like, "Oh, well, it's actually this, and this is my whole plan." And a lot of exposition, yeah, so much exposition. It it was just hitting you over the head, and it felt like the end, or like close to the end of a movie, like a Mission Impossible movie or something. Rensiter turns slowly around in a big chair. And to reveal did, did himself. Did that actually happen? Yeah, he slowly it felt turns like around. He's like, oh, he does. Oh, wow. It is me, Runciter. <laughs> I am Runciter. <laughs> I have a dumb name. So do you. And I think, like, but the, the part of so part of the mystery thing, like, the tropes and, and and the writing style of a mystery, murder mystery style thing, mm. mixed with like mysticism and then sci-fi, is. Is is a just is a bizarre combination, and he does he is he he doesn't tell you. It's like I get what he's trying to do, which is like wait to tell you about certain information so that you can have the the mystery thing, like the almost formulaic Edgar Allan Poe fucking origination of, of like aha moment where a bunch of things you were confused by click together, and now you understand what they all mean in in and whatever and like that experience being pleasurable um but he's a little clunky with that mechanic he does it a bunch where you're not sure what's going on and he's like you know people start getting old really fast and there's all this time reversion and you know there's all these different inertials and that he's thrown at you who have these abilities to read your mind or alter reality and create new timelines so you're you're already like expecting that and and he wants you to be confused by that but yeah it does just create these kind of like like weird uh yeah jarring kind of jumps and and as much as it feels intentional it also you're you're kind of roughed up in i would say in a little bit of an awkward or bad way I've, i've said this before on the podcast and this is this is something that i that i stand by pretty this is one of my fundamental operating principles when it comes to evaluating literature or art or whatever in general, just because something is the point or is intended doesn't mean it's good or enjoyable. And I think that that might be part of what's going on here. Like, you know, the, the, that disorientation, that kind of like whatever, that, that jarringness, the zigs and the zags, it, it is, it is entirely possible that that, that those were intended and that that was the point, but that doesn't mean it's good. Just because, you know, like, that doesn't mean that it's enjoyable to read. It doesn't mean that it's, like, you know, whatever. And I think Or, the, like, or that it could have been if you had just handled it differently. Sure. Also, right? right. right? Like, yeah, for sure. Not even innately, just not, it could, wouldn't be good, like, but, you know, maybe you just, you're not as, you don't have the depth enough touch to, to right. maybe do it as well as you think you had. Well, and I think that one of the things that I, you know, <clears throat> thinking about, like, the fact that this was, re- you know... I, I don't know how explicitly he wrote it as a screenplay originally, but it, it was pretty quickly afterwards put translated into one. Um, mm. You know, those moments, those like filmic moments that, that, that you guys have been mentioning, oh, the, the chair turns around, it's Runciter, oh, the bomb goes off or whatever, like they should hit and they don't. Like they don't, they, none of them, none of those moments... Yeah. hit me in the kind of like oh shit like way that I felt like he wanted them to you know 
Like when like there's a moment where um, you know uh, uh, Joe Chip kind of realizes that Pat is so. Here's the thing: could Here, be bad. Pat could be the bad. This is a, on one seventy eight, right before chapter thirteen. Um. This is when Runciter has been trying to signal to Joe Chip that Pat could be the bad, the villain, right? It turns out that she's probably not, but this is before we know that. Um, she didn't recognize the writing, Joe said to himself, because she's not familiar with it, and the rest of us are. Runciter, he said, you're doing it, aren't you, Pat? He said, it's you, your talent, we're here because of you. And you're killing us off, Don Denny <laughs> said to her. Yeah. One by one. <laughs> But why? And this, I also think the writing here is kind of weird. And you're killing us off, Don Denny said to her, one by one. But why? To Joe, he said, what reason could she have? She doesn't even know us, not really. Is this why you came to Runciter Associates? Joe asked her. He tried, but failed to keep his voice steady. In his ears, it wavered, and he felt abrupt contempt for himself. Gigi Ashwood scouted you and brought you in. Was he working for Hollis? Is that it? Is that what really happened to us? Not the bomb blast, but you? Pat smiled, and the lobby of the hotel blew up in Joe Chip's face. And that's the end of the chapter. And I'm just like, like, I know that's supposed to be like a, oh shit, like moment, and it just, it isn't. And also, did it blow up? No, he, but he was hit with the like, getting old sickness or whatever. Okay, so it was also just, it was not meant to be taken literally. Yeah, it just, but again, it's well, like, it oh, like shit, it, it was supposed to be, oh, no, shit. No, but yeah, I know what yeah. you mean, yeah. And well, it wasn't. Fun, I mean, it wasn't at all in the moment, but also knowing that it w- didn't actually blow up made me think of, like, like a cheap cutaway to a commercial on, like, a TNT show. Yeah. Where you, like, think something horrible happens, and then it comes back, and, like, it's not as bad as you thought. Right. Right. And you're like, what? That, that guy, like, definitely got stabbed by that other yeah. man, though. But it's like, no, they, the, <laughs> they punched him in his leg. You, it, I don't know. Yes. It felt like... It, um, like very, TV writing, like TV, commercial break yeah. writing. And even, even, yeah. the, even the end, even the ending has that quality too. Because oh. at the end of the book, basically it turns out that, oh shit, maybe Runciter is, 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 is incepted too. Yeah. Because he starts to see... One of the one of the key giveaways that that the inertials were <laughs> were were dead was that they were seeing Runciter's face and shit on money and whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I'm re- the, the third to last, the very end of the book, the third to last line. It it is uh, it was the first Joe Chip money he had ever seen. <laughs> But, but no. <laughs> so basically, right, the big the big oh shit ending is that Runciter starts to see Joe Chip on money. And that was Joe Chip had seen Runciter on the money and that was the yeah, sign ooh. that something was off. So it's like this whole like Oh, it's not over, dude. Literally, the last line is, this was just the beginning. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, God. I just feel like a cheesy like sci-fi movie. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, like, once again, maybe we have we, a, a mild appeal to the time. Yeah. yeah. And the novelty of the concepts For sure. that I guess Dick was, like, playing... But then again, when when was the Lathe of Heaven written? 
that, true that. That's actually a good question. I think it's or like I honestly later. was thinking of uh, of Yume's will. I get I give Yume's will way more respect now after reading this. Lathe of Heaven was, was two years later, nineteen seventy one. Oh no, okay, not that crazy. And that book holds up. Yume's will, you like it? No, he hates Lathe of Heaven. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. It was a joke. Um, no, I, I do give Yume's will more more props though. After well, because uh, it's a robust world harsh, with with a robust idea of what it's trying to say as well you know whereas like you know and and this is partially why philip k dick is popular like there's a certain kinship i feel to someone like murakami even uh someone who's i I just feel like the minute you're in their prose you know it and it's for reasons that are not necessarily comfortable or like Mm. you're 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 mildly put off, or I am anyway, as a reader, by both. But I find it to be mostly enjoyable. Although I will say that uh, Philip Kiddick is, like, more hit or miss with the quality control. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, like, what would you say, like, like, like the controlling idea... I don't know. That's a shit... That's a dumb thing to say. No, but, like, I, I don't... I mean... <laughs> What, what was mean? what was Philip K. Dick you think excited about exploring when he wrote this? I I don't I don't really know. <laughs> like, I think I think you know. I definitely think that I mean at least the way I was reading it, the sort of like consumerism capitalist angle is part of it. But like, there's right, people like turning said, on to money at the end and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, exactly. People's identities literally being expressed on coins and shit. Like. But but there's so much else going on. Like the, the, yeah. they go back in time, and the dude is like trading old cars for flights and planes, and then thinking about racism in the 30s, and like right. There's, there's like a weird Star Trek moment where he's like, "I forgot about racism." Yeah, Man. there's just like so much. Well, I think there's also a big fixation. I think that being cryogenically frozen was a kind of a new thing in like the 60s right i don't know that was that was a new idea i think that was a big aspect of this of this too disney was frozen right or is still is he i know that is that really true he want he requested uh, to be elon musk who's that ted williams was i think ted williams head is frozen i think that might be a futurama thing (laughs) you're probably right but i think that maybe his body is too but maybe futurama took it from a real thing I think Nixon is on a spider robot in a tank. Oh, that's but definitely I, I, Futurama. <laughs> I do think that I think he had a fixation about this, the sci-fi idea of cryogenics, though. And I think he was exploring that and what that means for your consciousness. I, I mean, and I, yeah, I think Matt, you're right. Like he was definitely in the in the, you know, uh, the headspace of like spiritualism and like body versus spirit and like how can the mind be preserved after he talks about death and blah, blah, he blah. talks about the plate he talks we've talked about this before but he again references directly like platonic forms and yeah. uh you know in 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 a world c- created in, you know a void world a bardo that you're sort of living in created of 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 thought forms and memories like yeah just like are these manifestations of the platonic forms and therefore i'm seeing the perfect platonic form of a uh uh you know a, a firebird or something whatever they're right. driving around uh 
Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, I. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sold on his Plato exegesis, frankly. Like that, I was. I wasn't sure that he was using it, those concepts correctly. But yeah, yeah he he does reference it. He, it just feels like someone who's like, yeah, uh, cracked out of their mind reading stuff. He's like, this is shit's cool. This is fucking this is sweet, cool. Dude. Fuck, dude. And like, what if ideas are real? What if ideas and just stuff are like this? fucking real? I mean, I, there's there is some interesting stuff about Murakami. Um, Murakami. <laughs> Killing Kamenatori. The idea made real. <laughs> the evil double metaphor. The double metaphor. <laughs> Why is the double metaphor that bad? I don't understand. Right, yeah. It sounds like a cooler metaphor. Yeah. It just, yeah, yeah Don, it's like a metaphor. Don, Don Denny too. is a double metaphor. <laughs> Don Denny. <laughs> Everyone had a fucking Milwaukee accent in my imagination, hey, too, the whole time. We're yeah. really going to go to Luna? We're going to go to Luna, huh? Oh, I yeah. can't oh. believe you guys lost track of S. Dole Melipone. <laughs> S. Dole Melipone. I just opened the page and I see Sammy Mundo. <laughs> it's like he came up with them while he was writing the book. Like It was like, okay, that guy's Sammy Mundo. Sammy Mundo. Sammy Mundo. Yeah, but statistically, they shouldn't all be this funny. Yeah. yeah. If you were even making it up. I know. I, well, then, wasn't there one the girl thing. that had her last name was like actually Spanish? Like the Yeah, word? it was. Uh, yeah, French Spanish or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Dude, it literally was something like that. Francine uh, Spanish. Francine Spanish or something. I forget the, I the forget lack of I effort is just hilarious. Well, and it's it's funny. I was like because I was like, and even even the even the even the fucking the Wall Street guy, Stanton Mick. <laughs> that sounds rude. It doesn't sound like a real name. Uh, no, even it's. Yeah, I never realized names like mattered so name. much. It's so weird. They it's really just so do. Weird. Also, it, did you pay attention to their descriptions of everyone's outfits? Yes. Everyone's wearing the craziest clown shit. Yes. It's like moo-moos with high-top sneakers and Kangol hats and like yes. elbow-length yes. gloves. I'm yes. like, what the? F-? And it, yeah. And French insane. Spanish just has like a fucking leopard print like onesie. <laughs> leopard print onesie, yeah. It's just like knee-high boots with like fucking fish in the heel. Yeah. 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 Um, it, it is hard. It's. I think it's hard for me to like separate. When was this written again? 69. 69. Published in 69, yeah. And that's, you know, when was the uh, original Star Trek introduced? That was in the 60s. The first I don't know. one? That's a good question. Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. So, I, I don't know. I'm trying to put my mind, I can't obviously put my mind in that time period, but We're thinking about, about Star shift. Trek and how colorful it was and just, like, people people's idea of sci-fi was just so, like, grandiose and things are just going to change and alter in 40 years right it's freaking space and my mom always makes the joke because she's a trekkie of like the advanced civilization the galactic federation out to bring peace and equality and uh paradise to all these races and at at the end of the day a lot of the time kirk just has to take off his shirt and have a knife fight with like a lizard guy (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) well that's why tng is so much better um, I mean, because we're talking about, uh, and again, you know, like, I, I, you know, I, maybe some people will be reing at me, uh, but like, th- there's, there's the silver, no, 
there's the different ages of sci-fi. There's like the Silver Age. They do this with comics too. Like uh, mm-hmm. the Golden Age is is like the first one, and I feel like we're we're this like Philip K. Dick and Co. Like represent a sort of transitional period uh, into the Silver Age or whatever. Like the, essentially the next generation of like uh, <laughs> sort of like uh, s- uh, speculative fiction writers. Uh, who have been affected by a lot of like the cultural turns of the po- you know, of the sixties like growing up in the fifties and seeing the sixties emerge and then mm. writing about it. And then also I, I feel like uh, Dick was influenced a lot by Hollywood and just his, the idea of his books turning into movies too, which yeah. in a way living that, like, in San Francisco. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to like other kind of horror sci-fi stories we read around Christmas, what was it? Uh, Dickens? The Great the God Pan. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... I mean, those freaking, those are no, they're not cringe at all. Um, they're awesome, good sci-fi. Um, so yeah, maybe there is something to be said about the, the 60s and the transition period that made this a little awkward for me to read. They're also reflection. I mean, I think yeah, it's it's through the conduit of Philip K. Dick, and I think that's the main thing. Yeah. Because mostly, you know, even the Great God Pan and stuff, they're all they're all pretty clear. Um, you know, once you break it down, just like preoccupations of the time, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just but like those 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 stories. I mean, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know if I endorse this comparison fully, but. Oh, I mean, yeah, those, it's, those it's loose. Those stories were yeah. also. I mean, they were they were like this in the sense that they were also like really fucking hallucinatory and abstract. Specifically, True, yeah. the white people. White people, I felt, yeah. was like very like. There, there's entire pages in that book that are like fucking this kaleidoscopic insanity, and there's parts of like in that in this book that are well done, but much more thematically focused and much more sort of like. Yes. I don't know. Like, I felt like there was so, so, so much in this in this book. And, like, even just going back to something that we were talking about a minute ago, you know, thinking t- about, like, him writing this as potentially, like, a future movie or something. At the beginning, like, because I'm a, I'm a fucking, I'll just put my cards on the table. I'm a bitch. I'm a sucker for a fucking crack team, dude. I love yeah. a good crack team. And at the yeah, beginning, dude. and at the beginning of this book, it was like some Avengers shit. It was like, oh, we're gonna get fucking French Spanish. We're gonna get Pat Conley, which which also makes me laugh because it's the most normal name ever. Like he just yeah. totally gave up with that one, dude. We got French Spanish. We got Pat Conley. We got Al fucking whatever. We got all these fucking. All, we got Gigi Wentworth. We got. <laughs> We're not getting we Jory. Got, fuck Jory. Get, no, fuck Jory. Fuck no, S. Joel Mel- Jory. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, fuck Mondays and fuck got, S. Joel Mel- Mel- got, what, what Wasn't there a guy named like Tito Andronicus or something? <laughs> that would be too cool. No, there was. There was a Tito or something, wasn't there? You're right. You're right. Yes. But like it was. But then he had was, like a Greek last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's like Anthropopopus. Or yeah, something. yeah. But like I'm like, oh cool, we're gonna have all these different characters and they're they all have different strengths and they're gonna come together and solve the beat the villain what with everyone psionic using their fucking strengths for a purpose and none of them mattered. None of those characters mattered at all to the story in no. any fucking way. Except Pat, maybe. Arguably. 
and there was this sense that maybe that we Not should. Silly word. <laughs> Meet Zoe Wirt. Starring Meet David Spade. <laughs> Meet Joe Black is Meet Zoe Wirt. No, I, I was thinking Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, because there is a sense also that there's there's the other thing that is not the mo- the thing that might be the least earned is uh, this notion that we, we have any connection to all these goofy-ass names we've read because there's, like, suddenly we need to feel, like, the tragedy of their deaths. Right. Yeah, uh, they all get picked off yeah. one by one. And I'm like, I care about that, what happens to the fucking Avengers, because I love... <laughs> yeah, if the Falcon fucking gets... Because I've seen... In love with them. Evaporated. I'm in love with them. No, well, no, honestly, there's way more characterization in the fucking Avengers movies than there are of these characters in this book. To be fair, they've yeah, had I mean, 100 years of I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was a weird thing for me, though. It was like, you're in this corporate world that he set up, and the, the names just sounded like coffee, or like water cooler names to me. Yeah. Like, oh, John Ashboy has Joe died I, in the explosion. Joe <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> and I just guys, didn't hear any of them. I just laughed at them. It was really weird. There was like 50 names in this, mo- in this book. <laughs> It's and, names you would uh, see in your company's phone directory, and yes. you're like, "Oh, his uh, his wife actually passed away," and you're like, "Ah, it sucks. I don't care." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never seen him. And I wanted, I, I like, I felt like there was. It felt like he started the book like four times and just didn't, ch- and like just kept going. Like he didn't change any of the beginnings. I'm like, oh, this book could have been about. Could have been about all oh, these people trying to track down S. Dole Melipone. Like that could have been the whole book. It really could have been. And I I, yeah. I would have read that book because S. Dole Melipone seems like a badass. <laughs> and I kind of want to like see what his deal is. And like I'm just I'm just picturing like Al Capone and like a dole like uh he does ice cream sound like cone. A mafia. <laughs> just Al Capone with a fucking like um like uh, whatever with the spinning fucking beanie hat, <laughs> <laughs> with rocket boots on because it's a future. rocket yeah. boots and like a hemp shirt, whatever bullshit we're doing. <laughs> like, like that could have been a story, right? Okay, the whole book could have been about these fucking people tracking down S. Dole Melipone. The whole book could have also been about them actually doing this mission on the moon. It could have been about like Hollis it, it, and like Hollis and, like, and what and the deal is with or Jory or Pat or like it feels like there was so much. Shit. Yeah, I mean the the, the and, it, it, and, wasn't like, and it was just not there. It was like thirty or twenty pages left in the book when Jory came back, right? And it was legitimately scary. Like he eats your freaking soul when you're in the half life. Yeah, ghost Jory room. is creepy, and he's like a little kid, and he has like they describe him. I think he Best was like GG GG Ash Ashwood, but he like turned back. He turned into Jory. It's he weird. can take he, different forms. He can like be whoever he wants to in the world. I mean, right. it's, it's but cool his shit. pure form is like a kid, but he like everything's wrong about his face, right? So like he descri- like uh, Dick describes his chin is like just not being quite in the right place or something. Or it's got and a that, deep cleft in it, like someone hit it with an axe or something. Yeah, yeah, and it made me just wonder, like you know, why why is he like that? What the hell happened? Does eating the like, soul is kind of like eating a Horcrux? Well, because I was thinking about this just because, like, the the meager parallel I could draw between, like, the two, like, I think, Runciter and Associates, Prudential Associates or whatever, and, uh, you know, it, 
is like the counterforce to whatever Hollis is doing, and there being some sort of dichotomy between that kind of because that's the whole reality of the quote unquote real world we mm-hmm. get for like the first the, whatever that one third of the book segment is, and then they're fighting just the opposite force, and there's no real clear reason why. I mean, it's it's you know you got the arguments about how psionics would be like a huge danger to humanity, but so you just basically have two forces canceling each other out. And then I, I, I just like I feel like it was that time period where like he literally could be like it's like yin and yang, man. You know what I mean? Because then there's like literally a good and evil force in the like <laughs> nether realm that they live in, right? Which is like, Ella and Jory, right? Is that what right. it's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah Ella and Jory, like, uh, because Jory's like, he, they're like, oh, there's a per- there's an entity like this in every moratorium, like, uh, some minority of people like have this capability of being of eating souls and keeping themselves alive like some weird parasite uh in these moratoriums that no one really talks about it uh and jory doesn't just like so i just i thought you know that was the that was my really like superficial trying to connect the dots like you have a light and dark force basically battling in the netherworld and then you just have these like in the, in the reality of the real world, there's really just these two corporations that just fight to cancel each other out, and they there's a nullity in yeah. what they actually do. Right. Like, it's just to, which, to keep I mean, the status quo, paper, which seems like it sucks. On paper, though, it's I mean, to me, that's like a... If you can do that, like, merge those two ideas together, which I was what he was trying to do, That's I feel mm-hmm. like that's freaking cool. Like, I, it's a cool idea. Mm. But I think a lot of the reason I... Regardless of the names, the, the writing... The actual writing style, yeah, and just the plot in general, um, just kind of it, it reverted from the ideas actually hitting hard for me. Um, I was too distracted, and yeah. I also think he was too distracted. I think he branched out too far away. It's it kind of I mean, not totally because it is so long, but people talk about the the book it as uh, a book that is like the typical book of doing that, like having too much packed in to what could have been a more simple, straightforward horror story. Yeah. Um, and this is a short book, but it does, it did kind of have that vibe for me. It's just like, yeah, too many ideas were spinning out of his head. It's culminating so, into like a cosmic spiritual ending too. Right. Even yes. Like, <laughs> which it felt cringe though, too, to me, like it did. The book cringe. or the movie, the final chapter of just the, the oh, heading yeah. of the final thing. And yeah, and just like that, it was like the last zag was like, this is about spirituality. <laughs> right. And actually, and, and now we're too back. Much. And, yeah, this is spiritual. <laughs> I, I, I thought, like, I also thought, like, we haven't really talked about this yet, but, like, the, speaking of Stephen King, I forgot what his time travel book is about the Kennedy assassination or whatever, but there's oh, yeah. there's some time travel sort of interesting stuff in this book about when, you know, uh, Joe Chip is, like, going back and trying to, like, navigate fucking 1940, early 1940s, late 1930s, Iowa, and, like, oh, are we gonna are we get involved in the war? And he's like, yeah, we're gonna enter on this date and do this and da-da-da-da-da, and, like, the racism right. stuff. And there's some interesting, like, points made about, like, Joe and other people who are there, like, knowing terms that they shouldn't know. Like, like and I thought that it was sort of an interesting commentary about, like, how our our subjective experiences are shaped by culture. Like it's almost like it, it, it almost seems like there's a point there about like, you know, in the, in this one that I'm looking at, he's Joe's talking about like, 
like a JN training plane and that he somehow knew that the term Jenny was a, a like a colloquial way of referring to that type of plane. Right. And that's not something that he would know in the 90s, but it's it's almost like as if like being in a time period or in a culture or in a context is sort of grants you access to some of that reality. Like it's it, it's like our our self-understandings are shaped by the contexts that we're in. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of an interesting like little detail. It was it is an it was like an aside though cuz it was both, right? Like you you just sort of get ambi- the ambient collective unconscious. Right. Uh, which is certainly an idea I feel like Dick was plugged into as 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 real. Um, and then also though, like right the the flip side, which is that they know all this shit and that they're like, oh, actually, I'm so modern in comparison that it it would be actually kind of unlivable to know everything that's going to happen and have all these expectations and this like conception of things. Like it would be hell actually. Like I would be run out of town and unhappy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a combo. But um, the, the harsh, stupid critic in me, though, was at the end of the book, I was thinking back to that scene or those scenes. And I was thinking, like, well, didn't Jory create this entire world, though? Like, yes, this isn't actually the past. So, right. Well, first of all, well, but it's also all Jory with but also in kind of like tension with Ella. Right. And Ella does have memories of that far back. So it is unclear, though. Of, it is unclear. And you don't, you don't really know how old Jory is either. Jory's like riffing off of Ella's much clearer memories, but he's not as good or something. But so he's he also like, like more up. in control somehow. Yeah. Which and also Ella's just trying makes to the check whole out. scenario like confusing to me too. It's like uh, when Chip was talking to like some racist woman about... There was like a really racist, overtly racist scene that I can't totally remember right now. The taxi driver here. guy? Maybe it was that. Who said but they were the talking N-word about like, like, Jews oh, yeah, the and like how Hitler isn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the taxi driver. So okay. He took it too but, far, I mean, maybe, but, you know. I don't he know. literally says that Jewish question. <laughs> I'm thinking about it too much, but I was just thinking at the end of the book, I was like, well, was that either Ella or Jory only that was like speaking through this character? Well, there is a and, whole like... Um, it feels a lot, a lot like the modern day notion that comes into like fucking Rick and Morty and, and all this kind of shit that people love, which is like the simulation, right? Right, where there's like NPCs and there's like uh, fucking like lag and fucking uh, clipping and and uh, and all this kind of shit that goes on where you can't render things fast enough, so you turn around and like a house will appear because it renders whenever you look at it. Right. Uh, all those ideas were kind of being touched on just not in reference to vr or any sort of simulation it was like did did dick was he involved with waking life the movie did he because when i when i google him waking life pops up that movie probably just because of scanner not involved but i mean like is is did something he write was it was it based on something he wrote maybe he's got a quote in there but I feel like it's Maybe just probably connected to, uh, you know, what's his face? Linklater. Linklater, because he did Scanner Darkly. Yeah. Right. It's that's Sorry, Richard no, Linklater, just... right? That movie. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. I have a passage that I could read that I because I was trying to find like 
stuff that I liked writing wise. Yeah. Because so much of it was, <clears throat> but anyway, th- th- this was a passage when <laughs> Al, um, before Al dies, but when he's like kind of seen the omen of his death, like that old elevator, like that is from the like twenties or whatever. And that's kind of like what triggers he's like about to die. Um, so this is on uh, 125 and it's a little long, but I think this is, this was, this was cool. And there's some, okay, there are some weird, again, it's good writing, but there's also like weird ass fucking concepts that are brought up a couple times that don't come back up ever. Like about the, like being rebirthed into different wombs. And there's like an, there's like a insinuation That's that the, the, Tibetan that, book of the, that dead, the yeah. color of the womb is matters. Yeah. 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 So this is Al talking. Uh, now he became aware of an insidious seeping cooling off, which at some earlier and unremembered time had begun to explore him, investigating him as well as the world around him. It reminded him of their final minutes on Luna. The chill debased, uh, the chill debased the surfaces of objects. It warped, expanded, showed itself as bulb-like swellings that sighed audibly and popped. Into the manifold open wounds, the cold drifted all the way down into the heart of things, the core which made them live. Up, oh, you're you you cut off. You've muted. Oh, sorry. Hello. Never mind. Where was I? The bubble. Uh, say bubbles popped, or you were at uh, what he saw now seemed to be a desert of ice. You're right there. Okay, um, the chill debased surfaces of objects, it warped, expanded, showed itself as bulb-like swellings that sighed audibly and popped. Into the manifold open wounds, the cold drifted, all the way down into the heart of things, the core which made them live. What he saw now seemed to be a desert of ice from which stark boulders jutted. A wind spewed across the plains which reality had become. The wind congealed into deeper ice and the boulders disappeared for the most part. And darkness presented itself off at the edges of his vision. He caught only a meager glimpse of it. But, he thought, this is projection on my part. It isn't the universe which is being entombed by layers of wind, cold, darkness, and ice. All this is going on within me, and yet I seem to see it outside. Strange, he thought. Is the whole world inside of me, engulfed by my body? When did that happen? It must be a manifestation of dying, he said to himself. The uncertainty which I feel... The slowing down into entropy, that's the process, and the ice which I see is the result of the success of that process. When I blink out, he thought, the whole universe will disappear. But what about the various lights which I should see, the entrances to new wombs? Where, in particular, is the red, smoky light of fornicating couples, and the dull, dark light signifying animal greed? All I can make out, he thought, is encroaching darkness and utter loss of heat, a plane which is cooling off, abandoned by its sun. Like that that's, that's great. really good. That's great. <laughs> that's really good. Like great. as especially like as a description of like death, it just hit me. It, it that that gave me goosebumps. Like that made me creeped out. I think we're I think uh the thing that, you know, I I I've I said this a bunch of times. I don't have anything to add to it, but I I know that like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which I think is referenced you know, outright in the book itself mm-hmm. uh by title. Um seems to be like the big inspiration at least for the like intermediary zone sort of yeah purgatory segment um so so there might also just be a lot of that floating around there that we're not picking up on uh if there are any tibetan book of the dead podcasts out there (laughs) hit us up hit us up i wanted to read something about jory because um 
He is. He is. The name is so dumb, but he is so creepy, and somehow the name. Yes. For being so silly makes him scarier. That's true. Yeah. I was, I was thinking kind of th- about. Was, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, do you guys remember the Rugrats episode where there's a the really big baby? Yes, dude. <laughs> All I was seeing was that, but with big teeth. Yes. Holy shit, that's creepy. That's terrifying. I was picturing more like a like an evil Pinocchio type character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That too. Where are you going? Yeah, that's uh, how I read. That's how I read his voice. Oh, I eat them. I eat their souls. They make me last longer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna eat yours next. Wow. So I like this because, like, he finally, you know, he gets the Jory is like admits to, the, you know, it's it's me the whole time, and he, you know, uh, and he's kind of describing his mo. Mask off, Jory. Yeah, just freaking sicko mode. Uh, and and Joe Chip is like, why, why is there a hotel? Why maintain a hotel? <laughs> he's like, why do all this stuff? And Jory is just like, it's just a Jory's eyes widen. But I always do it this way, and just like he's like a simpleton. Yes. And then Joe's like, Joe threatens to kill him, and he tries to fight him. And then this is where you realize that when Jory eats you, he like literally does. Yeah. He yeah. bite he 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 bites your body and eats you up. <laughs> and it just and this is the way it was described, and I thought it was really gross. And this is probably partially made better by the buildup, but um snarling jory bit him the great shovel teeth fastened deep into joe's right hand they hung on as meanwhile jory raised his head lifting joe's hand with his jaw jory stared at him with unwinking eyes snoring wetly as he tried to close his jaws the teeth sank deeper and joe felt the pain of it throughout him he's eating me he realized you can't he said aloud he hit jory on the snout punching again and again uh, and damn you, Jory bubbled, working his jaws sideways like a sheep's grinding Joe's hand until the pain became too much for Joe to stand. Yeah, it's just like... That's it's like... It's gross, he's going to bite you. And yeah, you. and some of those, well, uh, some also, of those like, descriptions are clearly amphetamine descriptions. Like, shovel teeth? That's, <laughs> that is clearly a drug description. Yeah. Well, isn't there a line, too, where he says that if... He opens if Jory opens his mouth, you can hear the voices of the people he's yes, eating in there. Yes, that, that was creepy. So the creepy fuck out. Dude. Yeah, that was good. creepy. Da- thank you for remembering nothing that. worse yeah. than being eaten alive, but then you are alive still in the belly. That's no, that the shit true was creepy nightmare. as fuck. Yeah, he was like, "Do you want me to open my mouth? You can hear." <laughs> he just like, and then the way yeah. he just like he offers, he's like, "If I open my mouth, you can listen. If you want to listen, you can hear all the voices in there. It's like your friends are the re- most recent. They're probably the loudest." Yeah, it's, it's like. So like that's scary. Yeah. So uh, Jory is Jory, yeah. And it's Joker it's Corey. the Joker. Well, like <laughs> the end, like Ella Glenn Runster's wife, right? She's the one who she's somehow through some sort of a, a you know union pact with the other <laughs> half dead people. Uh, extracted like the uh you know primordial essence of creation to create a uh product version called ubic that they use to keep themselves alive somehow it's unclear wh- how that works uh in this eternal battle of light light and dark but then she wants to go get reborn again so she just she just pieces out and she's like 
Joe, you're you're already here. Do you mind like fighting Jory? Over? Can, do you want to just can yeah. you fight Jory for eternity while I leave? <laughs> and that's kind of how his shit ends. And then it's then there's that twist at the very end. Some of those uh, I, some of those descriptions at the end of Joe, like I thought those were that was actually pretty strong. Like him, because Ella kind of presents herself because she died young, I think, right? Yeah, like, she was like twenty two. Yeah, and so she presents herself in the afterlife as kind of this young girl, and he's like wants to take her to dinner and she's like dude oh, by the way i'm ella whatever get the ubic and and th- th- those were some i thought those were some good moments like joe waiting at the bus stop and like yeah. getting the ubic in the package and like i don't know like it's it's but it but it's also sort of like um i wanted to know more i know jory's kind of like we're memeing on jory but i kind of wanted to know more about jory like why is why did Jory in death turn into this like evil soul sucking entity? Like there's no real explanation of that. That's that's where I wonder if that no. Tibetan Book of the Dead stuff is being directly used here to create parallels. Like if there's some sort of fucking thing in that that eats you before you. That's cross called over like or Jora or something. Yeah, exactly. And Ella is like Ila or the life force. Well, or, you know what I mean? Even, like that kind of thing. Even regardless of that, though, like even if we knew that, I I still think Jory isn't in the story enough. Like I can't remember if I finished yeah. my thought earlier, but I, Jory comes into the story like in the beginning for a, a blip, and then he comes back like the last twenty or thirty pages for a bit. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved if he was more intermixed within there. I agree. I actually because yeah, he's fascinating. I wanted to know and more about even, Jory as a villain. And that's yeah, that's I where do like the idea of just like a, a organic child like turning into this like blob like evil force eating souls in the nether world. It's cool. Um but you don't really get that um, inf- much information about how old he is or you know. I think I like there a mystery, is something I... about like an entity that like you know, you, you get this kind of with like poltergeists, right? Like ghosts that don't that don't want to finish their business on earth and so they stick around for too long and they basically become malevolent like i think there is something like that going on here with like you're supposed to want to be able to pass through the different colors signifying the different like phases of being a ghost because this is all about rebirth and then you find the womb you find a new womb and you're recreated and like the people that don't want to do that and just keep themselves in place become like distorted and turned into like demons basically he's he's basically like it 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 also reminds i was thinking of him as like damien from the omen yeah as just like this fucking creepy just fucking soul eating kid yeah yeah legacy of kane yeah soul reaver (laughs) Reaver. (laughs) great game dude underrated really good and yeah, but I, I know what you mean about like wanting more of that. I, I, again, I know it's, it's always tough to say, you know, to give writing tips to a book that's literally w- world's one hundred most famous sci-fi okay, books of that's all time. Like, no, not okay. even. Not dude. I, I was like, I what are we fa- missing? I soy faced. I soy faced when I read that. <laughs> not like, not re- I, not sci-fi, Matt. This uh, on the one cover. Of times. Time Magazine's one hundred best English language novels. That's what wild to me, 
and and we and they got the and they got the blurb from Adam Gopnik at the New Yorker, a masterpiece, beautiful, which and is hallucinatory. I, I feel like we've we've feel read like another quote by by Adam Gopnik on another book. I think Probably. it was Hollebeck. I actually think it was Hollebeck. Oh well, that I makes sense totally then, because apparently he likes bad books. If he likes Hollebeck. <laughs> oh, I think we've decided on our score range at this point. Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No, he no, likes no, to no, eat no, no. Alan no, no, no. Slopnik more like it. <laughs> no, no, no. Hollebeck. This Hollebeck's bad, but. But I, I mean, I Come agree on. though. Like hundred best English, like I would say that ninety five percent of the books we've read on this podcast are better than this book. I feel like not I'm being as a giveaway gaslit. for my score. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that. That is gaslighting me. Like I feel crazy <laughs> yeah. reading that. Yeah, I feel a little crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I yeah. I just, like I must I be missing something. Like what are you talking I must about? Be missing uh, is that a typo? Really obvious. Yeah. Is that a hundred thousand best? Is, did they did they miss th- two three zeros in a comma? <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I I read a nice pulp, you know, a little pulp sci-fi story. I didn't read you know with some uh, a, a canonical work of right. uh, English literature. I didn't and read the with, Great Grasby with, with with some. <laughs> That's yeah, the Great Runciter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was weird. like, I just, yeah, I felt, I definitely felt gaslit reading all the praise for this book, and yeah, and I think well, I just, I even think, like, yeah, even thinking about the, like, I, I don't know, I read uh, a scanner darkly when I was seventeen. I don't remember it, but I remember, I remember enjoying it more at at, at that time than I enjoyed this one, and. Uh, androids i didn't love but i enjoyed it this one felt like way more disjointed than the ones i've read before i would place this as as one of those things that i would chalk this up a bit also to like this shit would probably be way more mind-blowing 17 or younger yeah yeah Uh, you know i do think there is something to be said for this idea that you know now, obviously, they're like children's books and shit, where it's like, no, this is for a baby. But like, you know what I mean? Like that sort of preteen, young adult. But well, yeah, like, not, I mean, not the stupid young adult, but like, you know, like it's the stuff that's like, fuck, I have not encountered the concept of like platonic forms yet. I'm I'm 15. This is interesting. Like, right. Uh, where, you know, you're 30, and you're like, I'm conf- I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> This, well, yeah, this I, I can imagine scan. being. Yeah, I can imagine being sixteen and seventeen and reading the last line of this book, even and just being like, "This was just the beginning," and it would be, it would kind of be what? like in nineteen sixty nine, it would be like, um, the end of the Matrix, which oh, is yeah. when Neo is talking on the phone to <laughs> the robots. <laughs> That's and right. I forget, I forget what he says, but he says something similar and hangs up and then flies away. And flies away. And then uh, cue Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. And right. As a 17-year-old watching that, right. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. So I, maybe if you read this at the same time period, 1969, 100%. it would be just like that kind of moment. And whatever yeah. the equivalent of Rage Against the Machine would come on on your the record Grateful player. Dead. <laughs> The Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god! Yeah, I, I, I think what I was trying to talk about earlier before we got 
sidetracked into the fact that it's considered by by the New York Times. So, you know, at this point, right, everybody, New York Times, take it with a grain of salt. Not the basic not the, pap- not the paper point, of record it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but was just that like. I feel like his dedication to remain retaining the mystery elements after the deaths of everybody went on for too long. And I, I know that's like the the slippery slope thing we talk about, you know, when when discussing how long something should be or pacing or whatever. But again, I, you know, I'm I'm more in the camp of like these things do have structures and stuff that are effective and like you wanted more jewelry and you probably should have gotten it yeah. uh because he probably should have given up, I don't know, like, the the whole guise of it being a mystery where we need to figure out who's murdering all our friends and it's, like, set in, like, the 1930s or whatever. Iowa. Uh, I could have just done with, like, pe- them exploring the oddities of living in, you know, in the, in you know, in the Bardo, the, the between death and life state and not so much needing to keep up the pretense of, like, a murder mystery or just do the weird time travel murder mystery. Like do, pick one or, or the other. Right. Thing, yeah, yeah. 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 Because like I, that would have, I would have been cool with that too. Like, you know, that, that in, and in some ways that's kind of what I wanted. I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be a fucking crack team and they're going to be thrown into this weird situation. Yeah. And they're yeah. all going to have to use their powers to get out of it. And that doesn't happen. Like no, no one else matters except for Joe chip and Jory <laughs> and, and Runciter, basically, and Pat. And it does, and it does feel not like a uh, subversion so much as just Pat like a ADHD of some sort. Or yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Right. It's not like ooh, he's he's frustrating you like in the way we kind of concluded about killing Commendatory on some level, where right. it's like it, even if it's not well, intentional, it still rolls in with the themes. It's like no, I think he just was distracted by how many cool thoughts he was having. Yeah, I think the one thing that interested me is that I think uh, I will read. The Minority Report by him, because I mean this, I don't think we talked about it too much, but there's a lot of similar uh, ideas that spawned out of that book. Like people, like yeah. the Minority Report, there's precogs, obviously, and there's also people that like get put into like a cryogenically frozen, like I don't know what you call it, but like a, like a pod, and they're in this sort of nether world, just like frozen in time. Yeah. Um, so it felt to me like he wanted to expand on some of the ideas that he had in that story. And I really like that movie. I, it's like a freaking fun sci-fi movie. Tom Cruise is in it. It's a when you have classic. movies like Tom Cruise in them, you can't lose. You can't lose. But yeah, I mean, I've never read that one. And Tim I, Heidegger, I'm come still on the willing. show. Yeah, Tim, come on. I was on, Gabe and I were on a Zoom call with you. Yep. If you remember our faces, if you're watching. Certified. Sure does. Certified fans. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe his work as as a whole, like, in that macro of a scale, like, he explores all the stuff more thoroughly. I really want to read Valus because I think that's supposed to be, like, some acronym for, like, the god entity he ended up conceiving as the truth about reality or something like that. It It, it felt pretty... It could be pretty fun. Is that that's not like the most fun thing to read next I, of his. It, it, it's definitely a, a situation where I, <laughs> similar to, and I didn't I didn't dislike this book as much as I liked 
uh, submission, but it's a similar vibe where I'm like, I didn't really like this, but it increased my desire to read more by this author somehow. And it's, it's an interesting situation to be in. Yeah. We're like, yeah, oh, I think, can I please have another? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, well, it made me like speculative on why this one is hit one of his most famous ones. I know. And I think part of it might yeah. be because Dum Dums like the Hollywood aspects of it. Mm. Maybe that adds to it, is people like those sort of twists and turns. The zigs and um, the zags. The zigs and yeah, the zags. And maybe that adds to the popularity of it. I don't know. But, yeah, I've, I'm walking away thinking that I would – I want to read, like, maybe his least popular one. Mm. It kind of reminds so me of, of The Miner. Uh, the Miner was that – I forget. Natsume Soke, Sosuke? Sosuke, yeah. Sosuke, yeah. That was one of his, Soske. like – at least his personal – like least favorite novel or one that he kind of shook off as like not a real work. I don't know. It made me, it, yeah, I'm just saying it did want, it makes me want to read other things by him still. Cause there's enough, there's enough there. There's 40, you, I forget what, already, what was that? 42, 45, 45 novels, which means that like, if you really think about it, the vast minority of his books are actually popular. Right. It's exactly. something I would say, I would say if I'm being generous, it's something like 10 that yep. most people reference. And so, yeah, there's 35 fucking novels out there that are potentially better and underrepresented. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you. I want to I wanna check out all that stuff. If it's, like, in print, even. That's the other thing, is that you can't... It's hard to keep... I mean, Philip K. Dick is probably popular enough that you can keep most of his works in print and still make money, but... Yeah. Probably yeah, not all I'm, of them. It's like Simonon, no. man. You start to pr- make that many books, and start you start to get into the Simonon territory. Yes, like, dude. Sci-fi Simonon. Everyone's like, damn, fuck. All of this needs to be in print? <laughs> <laughs> dude. Yeah, exactly. Although oh, Simonon, Simonon fucking quadrupled PKD up oh, in true. His, his body count is so much higher. <laughs> and quality, I will say. Ooh, that's my spicy for my review. All right, well, sh- shall we? Should we move? Any? Do we need to? Any other thoughts? Not really. I don't. I don't have any. We're in fan favorite segment. We just did read another book, bitch, and so therefore deal with this. <laughs> We're putting people into. Do you guys think it's a problem that the name of the segment doesn't have anything to do with Harry Potter? Like we, it we does have something Harry to do with song. Harry Potter. I don't get it though. Okay, it's a I meme. I don't get dude. it. It's, okay, I'll explain it right now for all the listeners. <laughs> okay, I'm sure that listeners probably are confused too. Like, why isn't this yeah. called like Harry Potter's the segment? Okay, it's called. We literally just read another book because one of the on. kind of online memes in the literary community about Harry Potter fans is. You know, oh, please, dear God, just read another book. Like oh, okay. everyone who likes That's Harry, everyone who likes Harry Potter is like, oh, my it's favorite book is Harry. It's all they've ever read. read, and the meme is just read any other book, please. Yeah, yeah. okay, I get yeah, it. That re- makes that this is funny now. I, I've, I've <laughs> kept my, I've kept my mouth shut for like twenty. Oh, this episodes. is like our thirtieth episode almost, dude. <laughs> and I just I was just like I, every time I was just like I don't totally get this. <laughs> And I was like, for months. <laughs> like, why are we calling this the Voldemort? So early, I don't know. I was trying to think of something else. 
All right. right. Do you well, get it now? It's Does a good it make name. Sense? Yeah, it's okay. good. Yeah. It's a good name. It's something to spam yeah. when everyone's like, "You're so Hillary Clinton is kind of like Hermione," and you just be like, "Please, please, God, read another book." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we we literally just read another book. Yes. Yeah, so wow. So that means we're allowed to talk about Harry Potter. And that's where we need to now. It does Glenn Runciter is he a is he a <laughs> Gryffindor? I want Glenn Runciter. I, I want to know where. I, I, yeah, I just want to know where Don Denny is. <laughs> Don Denny, French Spanish. Oh, French Dude, Don, Spanish. Don Denny was my personally. I got the best vibes off that guy, and I don't even know why. But I'm sad he was uh, he yeah. was gone. Don Denny was a vibe. I don't want to meet Hollis. I was annoyed I didn't get to meet Hollis. I know. We never meet Hollis. We never meet S. Dole Melipone. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great, like, I literally, names. I want a whole fucking spinoff of, of a novel about S. Dole Melipone. So yeah, bad. it's called Melipone. It's called... <laughs> uh, all right, well, we can't go through all these fucking characters because there's, like, 50 no. in this book. Let's yeah, just do like three. So yeah. obviously we gotta do Joe Ship. Yeah, we gotta Joe do Chip. Glenn Runciter <laughs> and then Pat, maybe? Pat Conley? Or and Jory. I think we have at least have to do Jory. Well Jory's definitely Let's Slytherin. do four. Let's we'll do back. four. We'll do four. Jory's a Slytherin, it's over. Alright, yeah, it's Jory, over. Slytherin. Everyone agree? Yeah, yeah. Over. Yeah. Done and dusted. Alright, what about Pat Conley? Uh, she's a she's Slytherin. misunderstood. I think Pat I Conley think. is misunderstood too. I'm kinda of with Matt. I think but, she's kind of a wow. Gryffindor. I don't think so. I think she uh, actually honestly thought she was killing the people, but wasn't. But she thought she was. Oh. So you think mm. Jory, like, put it in her head that she actually was in charge and then she loved it? I think she was kind of working with Jory. Yeah, uh, that's how I read it. And then in the end, though, Jory just eats her, too. Yeah. But I, maybe no. I think he actually had said at one point, though, that he couldn't do everything without her power, though. Did he like say, he needed oh, her power. That. No, he didn't. To... He didn't. He didn't. No, no, no. He, he, he. I, That's what he happened. Said, I remember. I read it. No, he said he needed her because she was a the, the most useful, uh, plausible like, deniable scapegoat because oh, of her she power. Was scapegoat. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. She's, so he, he wasn't was actually like, using her power. He was using her power, but as like a yeah a explanation that was more readily available than. Because no one knew okay. he existed. I wanted more. I wanted more of Pat too. I wanted to see more of Pat. And again, like, introduced as though she's going to be hot shit, and then she disappears. I know. Yeah. Fun and also, her power is like the most convoluted and uh, disorienting. Yes. And then it's. I guess it is kind of used to like always be this thing you're thinking about as possibly happening. Anyway. Uh, I'm gonna call her a Gryffindor, bad I, Gryffindor. I kind of, I'm, Whoa. I'm kind of into it, Matt. I, I, I you know what? Yeah, I Wrong. agree. Wrong. What do you, you, <laughs> you still say Slytherin? Yeah, she's a fucking total slit. Dude, I don't know. Slippery, snaky, slithery Pat Connolly. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say it like Imagine that, it sounds like maybe she should yeah, be. Jesus, dude. Whoa. I'm, okay. I'm actually uncomfortable thinking about any of these characters being like five years old or whatever and going on the freaking train to Hogwarts. Like, they don't belong there. <laughs> None of them belong there. Okay. It's all hypothetical thought experiment. Glenn Runciter. <laughs> Imagine him in the fucking Harry Potter robes just on the train. <laughs> He's a professor. He would be a professor, dude. He's Gryffindor, dude. He'd have a yeah, warthog Patronus. He's Gryffindor, dude. He, I'm gonna he... call him Huffle. 
Whoa. Whoa. What? Strong Neville Longbottom style Hufflepuff. Oh, okay. Neville is a Gryffindor. Okay. Oh, he's Gryffindor. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Wow. Literally read another Harry Potter book. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. You've read too many other books. Uh, You've read. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, uh, he's 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 a Gryffindor. Okay, I'm gonna call him. Yeah, uh, he's well, I, he's a, I'm, Glenn Runster's a Hufflepuff. I still stand by that. Oh, what's your I evidence? Pretty, I, I think he's like loyal. I think he's a Gryffindor. I mean, he's loyal, but he's also like brave. I don't. Is he brave? I think he doesn't want to I mean, lose. I don't think he doesn't want his company like, to shut down a bit. You might yeah, be right, man. He's kind of like armchair. Like I want he's my like a good boss. He loves his wife and he loves his employees. Yeah. He'll like yeah. he, you know. There's his bottom line is get affected, but he'll he'll kind of go to bat for his fucking people. All right, I'm gonna I'm, I mean, gonna, I'm I, gonna skirt skirt here, and I'm I'm on I'm kind of with Matt now. He might be. A, I'm totally a Hufflepuff. I mean, I just don't believe a Hufflepuff can make a company that deals with <laughs> anti precogs. That I, I I just don't feel like a Hufflepuff could do that. The com- the type of company that a Hufflepuff would make would be like a paper company or a logging company. <laughs> Not some sort of like, you know, hyper scientific, psychic Wait, company. You don't. You don't dream to with imagine. Team leaders. You got to dream bigger, <laughs> darling. Inception. Yes. Listen, I just, Paul. I don't, I don't you need to put. Or you need to put have it in them. the world of Harry Potter into the far flung future of 1992 and what <laughs> these people would be like. <laughs> when there's yeah. a, the neo homeo pape machine or whatever they're using, dude. To, I'm, with, uh, I'm actually with people. <laughs> I do think people should make fun of how wrong people from the 1960s and 70s were about how <laughs> advanced we would be in 30 years. And also, they're not. like, we're definitely gonna be flying. We have like a. Uh, we can go to the moon whenever we want, but we also have like a fax machine that's like yeah, gives you a res- text like, message what receipt. The fuck? <laughs> yeah. 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 No. He's a, right. he's he's strong Hufflepuff, Matt. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I I disagree. Okay. I disagree That's there. fine. That's totally fine. Um, Joe, Chip, <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Doritos, Ravenclaw. He's ooh Ravenclaw. What? Yeah, I think you might be right. What's your <laughs> what's your yeah, rationale, yeah. Matt? Well, because I mean, at, at, most superficially, he's like a. a What's the word? Didactic or or no? Where you're trying to teach constantly? You're always trying to correct. He's a. Uh, it's like a ped- pedagogue. No, it's like a. Oh, he's pedantic, like pedantic. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I I think there's just like this weird. Uh, After that hmm. paragraph that I read, where that woman describes how Ubik works, he jumps in and it's like, oh. Actually, it's redundant. All neurons are, or all ions are neutral, or some shit. Are negative. Yeah, ne- yeah, negative. Yeah. Well, it's too bad he didn't say reducto. <laughs> <laughs> Reductio. True. True. Um, I'm not as strong on this one as I were on the other two. I just feel like he's got this kind of um, the detective thing. Like he's got this kind of like bizarre. Like you know, he's he's not a super emotional guy. He's kind of like thrown out of out of, for a loop by all the stuff that's going on but he's more just kind of like detached and and super like professional and nerdy and like interested in like figuring it out and he's he's the we should probably say we haven't that joe chip has no psychic talents whatsoever 
Yeah. His entire job is to like measure other people's psychic talents. Yeah, we should he just have said uses that all the cool the first equipment. Five minutes. He's got it's the. Fine. He's got the Wait, like. Is he a tester? He's a tester, right? He's a tester. Yeah, yeah. John Tester. John Joe Tester. <laughs> Joe Tester. <laughs> he does this book's version of the Voight Comp test. Yeah, basically. So yeah. that's actually kind of plausible, Matt. Yeah. All right. I like Ravenclaw. I'm gonna say just Gryffindor because he ends up. <laughs> he takes over. Uh, I feel like Ella's you're not taking position. this seriously. Paul, he takes over Ella's position, and Ella's a true Gryffindor in my that's mind because she's that's fighting true. the internal. Ella is 100 percent a Gryffindor. Yeah. yeah, it's too bad that Ella and Joe Chip didn't have a vanishing cabinet. Ah, if only. Like, if only Glenn Rincite just interjected a vanishing cabinet within the hellscape. Imagine if Joe Chip had a Marauder's map for the... (laughs) (laughs) He would know where Jory was at all times. Oh, God. Oh, I I, I saw a really funny meme once where um, uh, Ron's brothers, the twins, who had the map for years... Yeah. What are their yeah. names? Uh, I don't remember. Well, yeah, the meme was like, why didn't they go into Ron's room and see that Peter, Peter Pettigrew was there for like 12 years? True, true. Because he's just a rat sleeping with Ron. Was... <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> Does anyone else need to be put into a house? Need is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> think so there's no more like real heavy hitters yeah yeah i wish i like i said i wish we had met hollis i wish we had met esdol melipone <laughs> yeah come on <laughs> give us the pone i know <laughs> the pone all right so uh that leaves one one thing boys score score time paul you have to go last because this is technically your book it is my it is Matt? Not technically. I no, no. <laughs> it's literally. It's quite, quite literally. You're, you're quite picked. literally, I picked it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still kind of a mess in terms of how I think about this book. Yeah. Matt, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, I'll go. I, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, I can do yeah. it. I can do it. I, can do it. <clears throat> I, I, but I am. This score maybe is. This score is provisional in some ways. I, I feel deeply messy about this book uh and how i feel about it it's you know like i said there's passages that are brilliant and we read a couple of them and then but overall the experience was very fucking jarring and strange and i'm not i don't know if it was in a good way uh i'm at like a i'm at like a 2.93 I think yeah. is 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 what I'm gonna say. Like it's 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 very fucking borderline for me. Like if maybe if, maybe if I read more dick it's in books, the pleasure area. Yeah, maybe <laughs> if I read more dick books, it'll get like I can get get, get more like pleasure. accommodated to his style and shit, and it'll make more sense. But uh, something about it was just like off for me in a way that that that, that never clicked um yeah. and so i don't know maybe you know because i was thinking and i did look and i was looking at uh both uh 
the closest analogs in terms of books that we've read for the show so far. Great Work of Time and Lathe of Heaven in terms of like yeah. weird time travel shit. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure my score was consonant with the, the fact that I liked both of those books significantly more than I liked this one. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was, I was on track with that. And I think this score reflects that. I completely forgot what I gave those, but... and I, I, can, I can tell you if you want. Maybe, yeah. I'm not copying. So you gave, you gave Lathe of Heaven a 3.6. Okay. And you gave uh, wait, where, the, <laughs> where is it? Hold on, it should be that, below it. Below or yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you gave that one a three point seven. Yeah, I did like that very much. Yeah. Uh, Which one? Which one was that? Great work of time. So basically, okay. three point six, three point seven for those two. Yeah. Well, my 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 provisional number, which. You did make me more comfortable in saying, now that you've spoken, was a just straight 2.9. Nice. Yeah. Did any, any more? Nope. <laughs> any Leave more me alone. <laughs> okay. All right, Paul, what do you say? This is surprising, but it's it's lower than your scores. Oh, shit, let's go. Uh, I think I'm at like a 2.3 Yep. with this okay. one. On the negative end. Yeah. Yeah. How come, so how I don't come? Think, I don't like, think what you was have it to for read, you, Paul? Well, what's a 2.5 is like average. Yeah, 2.5 Below is like that fine. is like you don't have to read. I don't think you have to read this book. Yeah. That's, I think that's an overarching belief I have about it. Um, 100 best English language books of all time insane, in the world of all time. Insane fucking That's an insane, insane thing that made thing. me. I literally just want, like I want to talk drop. to the person who wrote that <laughs> list so bad. Got yeah, it, it, that made me angry. It made me, like, you know, three or four points dropped because of that alone. <laughs> I would just want to hear honestly, the rationale. Yeah. Honestly, the names were so bad, and I've <laughs> it's, like, ruined my whole night because I just want to laugh about them. Well, That's a whole point drop laughing. for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It ruined my experience of reading, though, because I like, these are the worst names I've ever heard read in any book. <laughs> any one of these names would have been horrible, like the worst thing I've ever read in any other book, but they're all in this one. <laughs> and I can't discount that as a bad flaw of the reading experience. S. Dole Melpone. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> Is it bad? Though? Joe Chip. Bob Dole. Joe Chip as your hero. <laughs> Bob Dole Melpone. Yeah. <laughs> Zoe Wirt. <laughs> it's like he was trying to make the worst names French that he's ever thought of. French Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I, don't know, I think that his the ideas that are explored in this are a little more concise. Maybe I haven't read Minority Report, but they could be more concise in that one. I don't know. I think he he he's one of these writers that needs to be a little toned down or like controlled a little bit because he can just kind of go off the rails. I want to read more. Like, yeah, and I, I wouldn't mind reading it's a unique, crazy certainly. one too. It's definitely this one, Ubique. <laughs> yeah, it's Ubique. So yeah, two point. What did I say? Two point three. three. three? Yeah, screw yeah. this. Fuck this book. <laughs> don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I really right. like giving my own books low scores. It's fun. It's Chad. It's Chad energy. Yeah, it shows it's that you don't there. even give an, an F. <laughs> I don't. If uh, I had good reasons for wanting to read this, no, book. no, 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 dude, it's not a thing. And I want to read more now. Yeah. If anyone's still listening, uh, we have a Patreon. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> How long is this episode? Uh, <laughs> it's not that long. It's like a okay. two hours, 20 minutes. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Still All right. Long. Uh, it's patreon.com slash spinecrackers, youtube.com spinecrackers. Find us, subscribe, listen. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, goodbye. Uh, bye. Bye bye. Goodbye and good luck in Ubeck. <laughs>